in a year that has been so improbable, the impossible has happened. A shot on Elo. Guys, the Bulls win. You know what time it is. The most amazing, sensational, dramatic. Welcome back to another episode of the Sports Hour. This is Mitch Moe. And this is Dallin. Guys, welcome on in to another beautiful day here. Another great evening uh, doing this podcast with you, my friend. It's a wonderful time. You, my friend, listening and uh, you, my friend, sitting here on this uh, lovely stream with me, Mitch Mo. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. I'm fantastic, man. Had a good week off. Did a little lake time. Oh, yeah. We're refreshed. We're ready to talk some sports now, though. We're feeling good. Not, feeling good. not too toasty, though, right? Kept, not like know. the last time I got. I went out on a lake. <laughs> no. Uh, you saw the pictures of that. That was bad. No, this, is, uh, this was a much more tame weekend there we go uh took took care of the old skin you know as there you go we gotta take care of it a little bit so spf matters you know we gotta worry about that you love to see it good to get outside though you gotta you know you gotta get out there enjoy the beautiful world around us so uh love to hear that man love to hear that we hope that uh you out there are enjoying uh, your evening, your day, wherever you are, however you're consuming this, we appreciate it. We are live on a Wednesday night on July 26th, recording this live on our YouTube channel and on our Twitter. If you are listening to the podcast and you have yet to check it out, come join us on Wednesday nights. We always go live at 6 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Mountain Time on YouTube.com slash Sports Hour Guys or on Twitter.com slash or at Sports Hour Guys. You can find us there. You can come uh, look at us, join us. We have some visual aspects sometimes. You can enjoy those as well if you do that. But uh, if you're listening, wherever you're listening, we appreciate it. Jam-packed show today, Mitch, for episode 171. It's our last little summertime episode before we turn the calendar to August, and we've got to go into full grind mode on uh, season previews for college football, for the NFL season, fantasy football, the Megasode, uh, all of that. We're going to be jam-packing that into August. So this is kind of our last time to hang out, have some fun. We've got a draft. We've got a uh, a bracket that we're doing. And uh, we're going to keep it light and easy and enjoy, uh, finish out July on this uh, fun note here on Wednesday. So I'm very yeah. much looking forward to this. Yeah, no, this will be a really fun one. We're going to, it's like cramming in that last bit of fun you can before school starts, you know, summer's coming to an end. Seriously. Um, How's it ending already for us, Mitch? What did we do? It flew by, man. It went by too damn quick. (laughs) It went by too damn quick. Uh, Scheduling wise, I mean, look, we're going to have this episode. We're going to take next week off. And then starting the week after that would be the uh, August 10th will be our next Mm -hmm. episode. Make sure you stay tuned for that because we will have a special guest for that episode. So yes, stay tuned for that. You'll want to check that out. But starting that date, we're going to be every week going every week through football season. So yeah. Um, 
you know, this is uh this is our last time to to have a little fun before we hit the grind, man. And not, not that we're not going to have fun during the football season. Cause of course we're going to have fun. We never have fun. What are you talking about? Oh, it's a blast. It's a blast. This isn't a, this isn't a podcast about fun. No, you're right. <laughs> we're all business. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're all, all business. business over here. No, it is great. No. Yeah. We, and we will be going to weekly podcast as Mitch said, starting on August 10th, which is actually a Thursday. So, you know, a couple weeks ne- uh, from now we will be on a Thursday night, but uh Yeah. We'll have some fun today. We'll keep it light. We do want to start with some news, though. So uh, let's get that uh, first and foremost out of the way. Yeah, let's get right into the news. And let's start off in the world of the NFL because, Dallin, we had a big sale going on, a sale that we've anticipated coming for a while. It's finally been finalized. In fact, it was unanimously voted by other NFL owners on Thursday, uh, last Thursday, uh, Mm -hmm. the uh, that approved the sale of the Washington commanders, um, Dan and Tanya Snyder, who were the former owners have officially sold the team to a partnership that was led by Josh Harris, um, to become the new owners of the Washington commanders, uh, for a record setting price of $6.05 billion. Um, this is, a. Uh, this is a sale that we've anticipated coming for a long time. Of course, there's been all the accusations against Dan Snyder and the Washington organization, how they conduct their business there. Um, And Dallin, all I could say is it's about damn time Hmm. that we got Dan Snyder out of the league. And you know what? The fact that the NFL owners unanimously have voted to, to approve this sale says a whole hell of a lot about what the other NFL owners think about Dan Snyder and the way he was running things over in Washington. Um, I think that this is a long time coming, a great sale. Um, Obviously, Dan Snyder is going to make out like a bandit. But, you know, at the same time, I don't think that this is the end of the road for him as far as um, legal battles go. I'm just glad that it's not going to be a part of the NFL anymore and that we could, uh, when it comes to talking about the Washington Commanders, we can solely focus on football now. Yeah, honestly, it's good riddance for Dan Snyder and hallelujah for Washington fans who have been stuck with the worst owner in professional sports for uh, multiple decades now. And hopefully this is a new era for this Washington football team. And I, I don't mean to like use their former name, although Josh Harris, the new you know owner, did hint at the possibility of them changing the name and going back to Washington football team or finding a new identity as part of this new ownership and this new era, in fact, in Washington. And I do think it is a new era and a much needed era for Washington. This ownership group led by Josh Harris, he is a part owner uh, already of the Philadelphia 76ers in the NBA and the New Jersey Devils in the NHL. Uh, He's from Washington, D.C. said he grew up going to games as a fan. So, Hopefully that means that this franchise now is an owner that's looking out for the fans first and foremost, and that will lead to further success. So I, I am, I, I feel very happy for Washington fans. I hope this is uh, the first step in, in, in a great new direction for them. And uh, you know, magic Johnson's a part of this ownership group randomly enough, you know, it's like, yeah. uh, you know, odd assortment, but uh, it should be good. And, and, and congrats to Washington for this and good riddance to Dan Snyder. Yeah, and I it's funny you mentioned Magic Johnson. I think any team sale we're gonna see across sports, I think the only one he doesn't own in is actually the NBA. So like yeah. 
I wouldn't be surprised if he's a part of the partnership to buy some NBA team and he's a part oh, yeah. of that. When when um, him and LeBron get the Vegas when LeBron gets the Vegas franchise, you know Magic's a part owner on that, you know. <laughs> oh, absolutely, 100%. Um no, but you also mentioned the name change and quite honestly, I would welcome that. Like yeah. it's a lot of it's chaotic because it's like god, we just went through you know, two years, three years, almost three years of trying to figure sure. out what the name's going to be. And then, then they're going to change it again after one, se- you know, one season. I honestly, I'm like, bring it on because commander sucks as a name. So like, it's we not need great. Some- they-, they need something better than that. They deserve something better than that. They deserve better branding than that because that's a historic franchise. So I'd be excited if he, if he's hinting at that and really wants to pursue changing the name again, I am a hundred percent supportive of that. Yeah, all exciting to have a new direction in Washington. And again, for that franchise to uh, just moving on from Dan Snyder is a big win. But hopefully this new ownership group led by Josh Harris uh, brings some good positive energy uh, moving forward for them. Uh, the other bit of NFL news, though, Mitch, is a signing, one that we've been anticipating for a minute. Uh, a very talented player that has been, uh, you know, checking, wait, uh, checking it out. You know, the free agency waters, testing, seeing where he'd go. But DeAndre Hopkins has signed a deal. Uh, to join the uh, Tennessee Titans, so two-year deal worth up to fifteen million in the first year. This came down uh, a bit of, a bit ago, but obviously we didn't get a chance to talk about it here on the podcast. But uh, you know, he he met with New England, right? We knew New England was a possibility. Obviously, Baltimore, Kansas City. Uh, you could list any contender; they could theoretically be in the mix for him. But money and you know that was going to be a big factor for him. Tennessee was a bit of a surprise for me. It makes so much sense for Tennessee because their wide receiver core is uh, anemic. It's yeah, it's, it's it's awful. So, yeah. yeah, this is awesome. It's great for Traylon Burks. I mean, now to get some attention off of you, you know, now you don't have to be the only one getting attention in this in this passing game. You get some relief, I think. I mean, it, it's great for the team. Surprising, I think, for Hopkins. And, I, you know, I would think, oh, go to a contender. You know, why not go to KC? Why not go to Baltimore? Uh, you know, Baltimore obviously signed OBJ, but uh, yeah, I think I like this outfit a lot for Tennessee. I was a little bit surprised though, from the D hop perspective. Yeah. I, I like it for both parties, honestly. I mean, this is exactly what Tennessee needed. And I think it's exactly what D hop needed. I think he needed to go to an offense that, um, where he could be showcased as the number one wide receiver. Cause I think that's where he shines the best. I think if he went to, um, it, this would never happen, but you know, as an example, if he went to a Las Vegas, I don't think he would transition well into a number two there very well. Um, I, I think that this is exactly what he needed to go be number one somewhere. Um, and honestly, that's great. This is great for the quarterback room, right? Ryan Tannehill is kind of not, but kind of is fighting for a starting job. Like, you know, yeah. there's, there's some heat behind him, right? With mm-hmm. Malik Willis and Will Levis, there's, a, there's some heat behind him. So, it's not like he's like 95% got it locked up, but it's not a hundred percent. So to bring in a guy that can be a reliable weapon for you, um, that you can, uh, consistently target and have the confidence in to deliver the ball in tight spots too. Um, that does a world of wonder for a quarterback. So I think this is a great fit for D hop for the Titans, for Ryan Tannehill. Um, and for, you know, the Titans organization as, as a whole, this is exactly what they needed. Yeah, 100%. Uh, great, great fit for Tennessee. And uh, yeah, I mean, D-Hop's still got, a, uh, you know, 
still got a, some some work left in him for sure. At least a couple of seasons uh, where he could be a really good talent, and we'll see how that helps Tennessee. And you know, it should be a wide open AFC South. You know, obviously Jacksonville should be the favorite, but it's not like you know anyone's right. got that wrapped up. So why not Tennessee if you're looking at it for their perspective? So love that for them. Yeah, absolutely love that for them. Um, Dallin, out of the world of the NFL, let's get into the world of the NBA because we had a record-setting deal down that, honestly, when I saw the numbers to this, it, my eyes about popped out of my <laughs> head. Jalen Brown of the Boston Celtics, formerly of the Boston Celtics, and also now currently of the Boston Celtics, has re-signed with the Boston Celtics on a five-year, $304 million Supermax extension. Um which will be fully guaranteed with a trade kicker as well. Um, but the final year will not include a player option. Um, this is per Sham Sharania. Um, we, we talked about, I think we talked about not too long ago about what the Boston Celtics need to do to make that push to become a perennial finals contender and a, a an NBA champion. And um, we had, kind of toyed with the idea of Jalen Brown, maybe not being a part of that equation. It appears now that Boston really wants him to be a part of that equation. So um, this is a, a, Hey, Jalen went and got the bag, dude. He went and got the bag. This is great for him. Um, I think this puts a lot of restrictions on what Boston can do after that starting five um, and what they're going to be able to do depth wise. But not they locked in probably their second best player for a long time. It just feels weird that you're using this large of a super max on your second best player on the team. And you're not doing it with a Jason Tatum type guy. You know, it, it just feels a little funny to me. Yeah. It's always interesting. And I think the context is important because I, I think a lot of people have the visceral reaction of, well, Jalen Brown's not even the best player on his team. How, how is he making the biggest contract in NBA history? Uh, he gets this deal, which is, you know, worth up to $303.7 million over five years. He gets this deal. He's eligible for this deal. It's based on the rise in salary cap and league revenue. That's how these uh, max contracts are work. They're a percentage of the salary cap and they're extrapolated out based on revenue projections for the future. So whoever was going to be eligible for the super max next was going to get this contract Jalen Brown just happens to be the guy next in line and gets to benefit from this in a huge way. Obviously, he gets to make a lot of money. The last guy to sign this contract was Nikola Jokic. His extension uh, was $276 million. So you're talking about, you know, it's like $25, $30 million difference in an yeah. increase. So imagine the next guy to sign a max contract, what they'll end up with. So it is interesting, though, because as you said, I mean, team building moving forward, like you've now committed to Tatum and Brown. So it's got to work. And I, and we've had questions about that duo. Can it work at the highest level? Can it win you a finals? Those two guys as the catalyst for your team. And well, Boston believes they can, and I get it. You know, they, they've taken them to the finals, you know, they didn't get it done, but they've gotten there with that young duo. So why not believe in them? Time will tell, you know, but uh, this is the future for Boston. It's set. So it's got to work or it's not. And that's the gamble they're taking. Yeah, and I think probably a good gamble on their part. I think that they yeah. they, they have two very talented guys locked up right now for the next few years. So, um, congrats to Jalen Brown. You got the bag, yeah. dude. Um, Absolutely. And the Boston Celtics continue to um, 
continue or get to keep their their young duo and see if they can make a push for another NBA Finals. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dallin, some college football news. Yeah, this is uh, th- this is fun news. This actually just came down or has begun this afternoon. Again, we're recording this on July 26th on Wednesday, so you're hearing about this. Your context for this news may be very different than ours at this very moment. Keep that in mind. But uh, reports this afternoon and evening are that Colorado is considering and or planning on making the move to the Big 12 from the Pac-12 conference. Uh, This is per Pete Famel, who uh, reports for Yahoo and ESPN. He said his sources are saying Colorado is in discussions about a move to the Big 12, and the school has just completed a board meeting and scheduled another one for tomorrow, that would be Thursday the 27th, to discuss the move. The Big 12 is also holding a president's meeting tonight on the 26th, where there's expected to be an expansion Update. Uh, Brett McMurphy, McMurphy, a college football insider of Action Network, has gone on to uh, report that his sources are saying it is a done deal, that it's all but, you know, uh, ceremony at this point. Colorado will be making the move to the Big 12, that they will be going in 2024, and they will be getting the full $31.7 million per school in the media deal as the remaining members of the Big 12 schools, which would indicate to us that they saw the Big 12 media deal, which has not been announced. We don't know any news about that or what that number comes in at, but it would mean to us that they saw that number and said the Big 12 can get us more money and that's better for us in the long run. Or that this media deal is nowhere to be found and Colorado is saying enough with it. Let's take what we know is guaranteed with the Big 12. So fascinating stuff. Again, by the time you may be listening to this, they might've announced it. It might be more official than it is now, or this might've just all been smoke, uh, in a big whoop of nothing. Uh, it seems pretty legit. Again, people are reporting this pretty seriously at this point. And, and a lot of this has been rumor with Colorado to the big 12. So I think it's safe to say at this point, it is fairly substantial and certainly worth being interested in and monitoring. If you're following college football, it would obviously shake up a lot of things. So Mitch, just your reaction to the potential of Colorado in the big 12 and what it means for that conference and what it means for the future of the PAC 12. Well, I think this is the death of the PAC 12. I think that, um, it it seems funny saying that Colorado is going to be the final nail in the coffin, but (laughs) I think that, you know, now they're, they're looking at not enough teams to support a conference by themselves, you know, like they're going to have to get, they're going to have to get a lot of other support of people coming to the Pac-12 with USC and UCLA leaving, um, with Colorado leaving now. This is going to be, I mean, it's down to like Oregon, the Oregon schools, the Washington schools, and the Arizona schools. That's going to be, and Stanford, I guess. But, you know, like that's going to be about it. It it just seems like it's the final nail in the coffin for the Pac-12. We may be talking about Power 4 conferences instead of Power 5 conferences before Mm. too long. I do think, though, that it's a little funny that Colorado thinks they could just move over to the Big 12 and everything's going to be hunky-dory from a purely a competition standpoint, not necessarily the money and, you know, the media rights and all that stuff. From a competition standpoint, bros, you can't even hang in the Pac-12. Yeah, Yeah, facts. What makes you think you can go hang in the Big 12? Like, it just doesn't, like, from a competition standpoint. It's not about competition, no, it's not. Yeah. No, it's purely about money. But right from a competition standpoint, I'm like, you're burying sure. yourselves if this doesn't work out with Dion. 
this doesn't work yeah. out with Dion. And like, I have, I really want it to work out with Dion. I want him to bring that program to relevance and be successful to the highest degree. Right. But it's just not feasible right now with where that program's at. Like there's still a lot of building that has to happen. And if you, even in 2024, there's still going to be building to do. And for you to jump from arguably the weakest conference in mm -hmm. college football to basically take a step up and think that you're ready for that step competition wise. You're just not, I'm sorry. I understand it's about money, but you know, competition wise, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense for Colorado. Yeah. I mean, they've already been floundering and, and uh, I mean, borderline irrelevant, right. In the PAC 12, since they joined not that long ago, but I do think it makes more sense uh, culturally, geographically, Colorado geographically, 12, sure, it especially does, yeah. now that BYU is in the Big 12, and that's what makes most most sense for that conference. You're already in the mountain time zone, and BYU sticks out like a sore thumb out there by themselves on an island, right? Now you bring in Colorado, now you have a natural rival, now you pair them up, you got two mountain time zone teams, the travel, it's easy, it's like boom, that solves a huge problem for them. Uh, and I think, you know, obviously they were in this conference before they know the drill, they fit in these, they have history with these other teams. And so you're, you know, they're not going to have the issues that Houston and UCF and BYU and Cincinnati are going to have of establishing rivalries and, and actually, you know, fan bases starting to hate or like each other. You know, you've got to create that over time that you've already got a history there, which is great. Uh, you know, if this does happen, this is not the only thing. Uh, this will not be the only move because the Pac-12 obviously is not going to stay at nine. The Big 12 is not going to go just to 13. They would feasibly have to go to at least 14. So does that mean another Pac-12 school decides to jump ship as well? Does that mean that San Diego State or SMU is now getting an invite to the Big 12 and getting elevated uh, to that level? Like, what does the, obviously, what, how does the Pac-12 react to that? There are so many dominoes to potentially be had of this, and we'll have plenty of time to speculate on those. But I am with you, my friend. Is it, This would be the death knell for the Pac-12 as we know it. Uh, yeah. because I think feasibly it, it resulted in then them at the best case scenario ending up at eight teams and then having the fear of Oregon and Washington getting poached by the Big Ten. Uh, in the future. And that's just, yeah, bad news bears for the Pac-12. So yeah. we will be monitoring this. This is a fascinating story. And again, this is all kind of coming out on the 26th as we're uh, recording this on Wednesday night. So uh, we'll see what the news looks like for the next couple of days. Hey, the Pac-12 was known as the Pac-8 for a long time. So, like, oh, yeah. you know, they were already I, had to go back to the Pac-10. They might have to go back even further is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, and, and you know, I don't know. Welcome the Mountain West. Maybe there's enough teams in the Mountain. Maybe the Mountain West will just absorb them, just, and they'll become just, the next Power Five form, conference. Just form a 20-team Mega Pack conference. Call it the Pack conference, and just form a 20-team conglomerate with the Mountain West. I mean, that would be honestly. I don't the hate only. That. That'd be the only way that. to save it. Just be like, that's our play. Is we just have everything out here. This is all Pack. This is all Pack conference, and that's our that. shtick. Wouldn't be bad. Yeah, they should idea. hire us. I'm just saying. Maybe we'll get Hawaii and stuff like that in a major conference for once. There you, you know? go. The, the one off year it. that they happen to win like 10 games that we can <laughs> they, they can get some publicity because they're in, in the, the college football 12. playoff. Love it. 
All right, Mitch, one bit of news here. Last bit of news here. Uh, just a quick mention and a shout out to uh, Brian Harmon for winning his first major at the Open at Royal Liverpool Golf Club, uh, historic Royal Liverpool. Uh, Brian Harmon just dominated the weekend. Uh, he had a five-stroke lead on Friday and just pretty much never relinquished it. Uh, cruised to this uh, Open Championship and uh, it was extremely impressive to watch Harmon, a, a longtime pro uh, who just never really like cracked uh, the top and uh, put it all together here uh, last week at the open with a six stroke victory, 13 under uh, second place with seven under. So just dominated. You love to see it. Final major of the year at the open and Brian Harmon takes takes it home. You know, you just love to see those stories of the guys that have been on the tour for like, you know, 10, 12, 14 years. They just haven't quite put it all together. And they finally get that one weekend where everything just goes right. Uh, and he played out of his mind. I mean, he played out of his mind. He wins by six strokes. Um, Brian Harmon, well done on the first major. Um, I mean, you almost want to start. I almost start want to start putting like odds on who's the next first time mm, winner. I love that. Like, has Tommy Fleetwood won one? I don't know. I don't he think has so. not. He no. has not. He's like, a guy that's been really close, you know. Tony Finau is a guy. He was not close here, Tony but he's Finau. a guy that's been top 10 a bunch of times that people say, oh, he's got to be one of the next ones. Uh, Fleetwood's Louis Oosthuizen. <laughs> like, you know, just start picking like, is Louis Oosthuizen one? No, he hasn't. I'm pretty sure he won. Maybe he's won one. I don't know. I feel like he's one of the uh, Masters. But either way, yeah, it is fun to see uh Brian Harmon take it home and just dominate too. It was like unquestioned. He, there was no luck in this. There was no like, you know, oh, he, he got, right. you know, somebody collapsed and he lucked into a win. No, he, he earned that and uh, very impressive. So shout out to him, Brian Harmon. Yes, very shy. Good old oh, American it's... taking home the claret jug over there in England. You kind of love that. You know, you kind of love that. We're going to take your championship trophy back home. We'll see you in a year. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Louis Oosthuizen has won before. They won a Masters? No, I don't think it was a Masters. Oh, but, I thought it was. Um, oh, there you go. There he you has go. one career win, one PGA Tour oh, win. I have no idea. There what you it go. Is. Shout but, out to him. Yeah. Love anyway. to see it. Yeah. That's, Sorry. Uh, Sorry, Brian Harmon. We started looking up Louis Oosthuizen during your time to shine. My bad. But uh, yeah, um, Alan, that is going to do it for the news. Let's get in. So let's let's play let's play a couple games here and just kind of get the juices flowing creatively. Okay. How about that, huh? Because we got some it. things. We got a draft. We're gonna have a another bracket down the road. Yes. Uh, later yes. on today. So um, let's get the creative juices flowing. Let's kind of get the names circulating in our head because I feel like we're gonna have to use that. So let's start with a little bit of who the hell is that? Okay. Who the hell is that? And for the first time listeners or maybe listeners that haven't listened to, you know, haven't caught this segment before, uh, I am going to give down the career path of a athlete and he is going to have to tell me who that athlete is. Now, that would be hard enough by itself. So um, basically, I'm going to give him the career path. He's going to have a guess. Then he has three hints afterwards. So three subsequent guesses, four guesses in total to nail down this athlete. Um, Dallin, are you ready? I'm so ready. Let's do All this. All righty. Dallin, this player is from the NFL. Okay, NFL. Okay, we're going to start with New York Giants 
Okay. San Francisco, Denver. Mm. Oh, I like this one. A short one. So it's a little, uh, yeah. a little trickier. Giants, San Francisco, Denver. Hmm. Okay. Giants, San Francisco, Denver. I'm going to get a guess out of the way. So I don't feel super confident. Yeah, that's a that's I'm, a tough career. I'm trying to, to yeah, 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 but I you know, we'll go uh we'll go Ahmad Bradshaw. Ahmad Bradshaw, that is incorrect. So what? this I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry about that. <laughs> um this third round pick in the nineteen ninety one NFL draft okay. Okay. is also a three-time Super Bowl champion. Ooh. Third round pick in 91, three-time Super Bowl champ. So I'm going to guess that he won one with the nine, two with the Niners. Did they, how many did they win in that? In that era. So he probably didn't spend that much time with New York. Giants, Niners, Broncos. We're looking for a 90s third round pick. <laughs> I'm going to go. I don't really feel great about this. I think this era is completely off. We're going to go John Lynch. It is not John Lynch. John Lynch would be later. Yeah. Um, like a decade later. Yeah. Well, eh, not quite a decade, but yeah, later, a little bit later. Um, see, this wide receiver had three okay. consecutive 1,000 yard seasons from 1998 to 2000, in which I'll add this in there, in which his lone Pro Bowl season came in 1998. Oh, so he's a one time Pro Bowler, three straight 1,000 yard seasons from 98 to 2000. So it had to be with, oh, man. Hui, yeah. Um, I'm going to go, I know this is not correct. It's not a wide receiver. I'm going to go Shannon Sharp. No, it's not Shannon Sharp. But that's a that's not a deep, that's not a bad guess either. It's like the right um, era. It's like, that's all I got. It's the right era. I get one um, more, so I'm hoping. I'm hoping the last hint. Okay, I, I want to save. I actually want to save this last hint after okay. you guess this third one, because if I give you this one now, it'll give it away. So okay. I don't want to do it. Um, let's see. Um, this wide receiver played the majority of his career in the AFC where he won two of his three Super Bowl rings. Yeah, so it's definitely with Denver. Oh, man. But Denver wide receivers in those Super Bowl years, that's what I am struggling with, to be honest. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm struggling with the most. Remember, um, we talked about last week making these a little bit tougher. So Yeah, was, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And I think you could. I, um, 
shoot. Uh, I don't feel this is not. This is not a great guess. Don't judge me. Uh, Ed McCaffrey. Dallin, well fucking done. That is Ed McCaffrey. That was it. Oh my God, no way. Are you serious? That is Ed McCaffrey. Oh, let's go. Wow. Holy cow. Ass, pull it out. All right. Look at that. <laughs> Holy shit. Well done, Dallin. Oh, man. Ed I McCaffrey. Did... Yeah. My, my fourth God. guess after my, or my last hint after you basically got it wrong was going to be he has a son currently playing in the NFL and oh, well done man well done Ooh, yes Ed holy McCaffrey cow. <laughs> that's crazy i did not holy smokes, I thought that, that was just a throwaway like uh that's not going to be right but i got to give a name uh no, yeah. man holy cow so i didn't realize he rattled off I, I so i wasn't quite sure on the eras but that's when i was thinking about it i was like i think the eras might line up and I didn't realize he was that successful, though, to be honest. Like three, you know, three straight thousand yard seasons. Like, yeah, actually, you know, his, wow. so his Pro Bowl year, he had 64 receptions, just over a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. Um, but probably his most successful season, he wasn't even a Pro Bowler, which was 101 receptions, over 1300 yards and nine touchdowns. Wasn't even Damn. a Pro Bowler that year. <laughs> that was in 2000s. So, um, yeah, one time, one season, oh, with the, one season with the Niners, he came in with the giants just after the super bowl season in 90 right okay i was like you were thinking correctly with the niners and yeah i just i just couldn't think of broncos wide receivers like in that era because that's why i was like it's a late 90s broncos wide receiver and i think of terrell davis and obviously got john elway and you got sharp but like i couldn't think of the wide receivers and mccaffrey was the only one that came to mind wow that was a great i honestly thought you were gonna guess rod smith but Oh yeah, you would have had to. One. You would have yeah. had to know that Rod Smith was undrafted. So. Oh okay, yeah. Um, but there you go. yeah, that was a uh, dude. Well done. That was, good. That was a good. Thank pull. you, man. That was a Thanks. great that was pull. A, that was a real challenge. I I'm not gonna lie. Like two guesses in, I was like, "There's no way in hell I'm getting this one right this week." Oh, I gotta dude, just. You got I gotta it. just save some space and, and do my best. So you'll love to see it. All right, Mitch. Great job on who the hell is that? And uh, now the challenge is yours on. The resume check. We're back with the resume All check. Right. We had fun with the forgotten all-star, but we are back challenging Mitch this week. Uh, this is a the resume check for those uh, as a reminder. Uh, we're going to give Mitch the resume of a champion uh, in sports and uh, just sort of what they did, what makes them the champion, and Mitch has to tell us what uh, team we're looking for. So that's how the game works. It'll be a lot of fun. And this week, Mitch, for the first time on here and at a very unique challenge twist, uh, we are looking for a college football national champion. Oh, oh shit. Okay. All so, right. Okay. I believe in you, my friend, but we're trying Woo! some college football this week. This is going to be spicy. All right. I think this will be good. You ready? So we're going to give three hints for Mitch. She's going to have some guesses. We'll give him some extra hints after we hear uh, some guesses. The, uh, the criteria for this uh, national champion in college football. Uh, this team had a 12 and 0 record on route to their national title. Okay. Never fell lower than number two in the AP poll that season okay. and had signature wins against Colorado and Florida. They were led by a future pro bowl running back who amassed over 1000 yards as a freshman and a quarterback who added over 600 rushing yards. 
that quarterback averaged 156 passing yards per game that year and finished second in Heisman voting. The defense allowed 14.5 points per game, and the team had an average margin of victory of 38.7 points. So that's a lot of information for you, but we're loading it in. It's college football, you know, not our expertise. So we're gotta we gotta give you some things to work with. So that's the criteria. Let's get a guess, and then uh, and then we'll hear, uh, and then we'll give you an extra. Some oh hints. my gosh! Okay, so they had hit. Who were the signature wins against? Signature wins against Colorado and Florida. Colorado and Florida. So maybe Colorado was competitive in like the early mid nineties. Um, and then Florida. Tricky, tricky. Uh, I don't know if I ask this question if it's gonna be count as a hint or not, but uh, I might not answer it if you if you ask it. It's was too much. Florida of in the ACC or the SEC? Um, I don't actually know. Let me check. Okay, because that might change what I answer. Yeah. That's a fair point because uh, I don't remember. Um, also, you don't get to know. Uh, make a guess, and then maybe you'll find out. Okay. All right. Sounds good. Um. Okay. So this is BCS era. I'm gonna go with. 1998 Florida State. I don't even think they won the national title that year, but 1998 Florida State is the guess. It is incorrect. Good first place to start. A good first place to start. They did not win uh, that year. They were third in the AP poll okay. final season. If Florida State nineteen. Oh damn it! Just check. I just checked it just to just to make sure. But no, uh, that okay. was the that was your next guess. Was, I know who won the national title that year too. Damn it! <laughs> now I just okay. Yeah, okay, you got one out of the way. That's good. Your next hint here is this team defeated an SEC team in the championship game to ensure back to back national titles. Okay, say that one more time. They this team defeated an SEC team in the championship game to ensure back-to-back national titles. Defeated a team in the SEC championship game to ensure back-to-back titles, or to earn a, earn back-to-back titles, whatever you want. Okay, to say. so it's an SEC team. So we're talking about SEC. The okay. The hint is they defeated an SEC team in the championship game. Oh, in the national championship game. Okay, sorry. I thought it was an SEC championship game. Um, fuck. It's a tough one. You get one more hint after one more guess. So, Mitch will have yeah. two more guesses left. Um, You've heard one so far. The first guess, 1998 Florida State. Signature wins against Colorado. That's the one that's fucking throwing me off because they haven't been good forever. So like, (laughs) so how could it be a signature win? You ask, 
Um, Nebraska was really good in the mid nineties too. Let's go. Um, 1990. I think they won this, the national title in 95. Let's go to the 1995 Nebraska Cornhuskers. Mitch guesses the 1995 Nebraska Cornhuskers and walks himself into a win. Let's go. That is correct. <laughs> the 1995 Nebraska Cornhuskers. Well done. On the second hey. guess. Yes. See, that Thank wasn't you. as hard as you thought it was. That wasn't so it was bad, well done. I guess. That was well done. I overthink yes. things. I overthink No, things. it's listen, I, I'm with you because college football, not our forte. The final hint for you was gonna be they won their national championship in our lifetime. Uh, oh, that was well, going to be, go. all right. So that would have been a little, you know, <laughs> kind of narrow it a bit, but, uh, yeah, Nebraska 12 and 0, uh, that season, they defeated Florida in the national title game. Okay. Uh, Oh, that, that would have been SC, one that of was the signature the SEC wins. team yeah. that, that earned their signature win. And obviously Colorado was number 10 in the country. Uh, they were number eight in the country when Nebraska beat them on the road that bumped them up to number one ranking. Uh, they didn't look back, uh, after that, yeah, again, never fell lower than number two. Average margin of victory, 38.7 points. The quarterback was Tommy Frazier, uh, who oh, only yeah. threw for 156 passing yards a game, but also added a bunch on the ground and ended up finishing second in the Heisman. Do you Can you think of who the running back might be? Nebraska, freshman, 1995. Any guesses? Any idea? I would oh. not have guessed this, but. I feel like I'm going to hear the name and know exactly who it you is. You are, because we did him recently on the Who the Hell Is That? It's Amon Green. Oh, Amon Green. Yeah, there we go. Amon Green, as a freshman, rushed for over 1,000 yards, would go on to have a great three-year career uh, there at uh, Nebraska. So there you go. 1995 Nebraska Cornhuskers. Well done, my friend. And there was, okay, so that was the back. That's when they went back-to-back, I think, 94 That was their 95? second one. Yes, yeah. 94 okay. was their first one. They went 13-0. and that year and defeated Miami uh, right. in the championship game. So. That's right. That's right. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Cool. That's well a good done. one. I like it. I like it. Look at us. That's a challenge. Too, them man. Off. I feel like I kind of lucked into that one. I was just kind of <laughs> guessing about honestly, the one, the, the I hit mean, I that guessed maybe Ed guessed McCaffrey. So, I mean, we both guessed our wins, I guess. <laughs> oh yeah. But like the, the, the hint that helped the most really was Colorado was relevant because it was a right. signature win. So I was like, right. okay, it has to be that mid nineties era. It, so it gives you the era. Yes. I was yeah. hoping that would, that would help narrow it if you were paying attention oh, it, and sure yeah. enough you were. So well done. Oh man. Well, good. Deal. Alrighty. Dallin. We got a draft. We do. We got a draft. We do. And um, we talk, you know, you know, we talk a lot about, well, we, we have in the past about, you know, sports franchises we miss and that we wish we're still here. We wish we'd come back. So why not draft him, Dallin? Why not with, why not draft our favorite sports franchises that no longer exist? And um, we have decided that we're going to do this wide open. Wide open. There is basically no parameters to this. Um Outside of the lame ones. So like, you know, if, you know, we're not drafting the Oakland Raiders, right? Right. The Oakland Raiders don't exist anymore, but you know, that'd be a lame one because they just simply moved to Las Vegas. So, um, but there's plenty to pick from, um, in this category, Dallin, you have the first pick this week. I do. So Dallin grace us with 
your first overall pick. I have an idea of maybe who it is. Really? But yeah, because I think that you are a big advocate of that particular team coming back um, into existence. And so I would like, yeah, to, I, I, w- I want to know if it actually is going to be your first pick or not. You're right. I am a big Atlanta Thrashers fan. So, you know, that I got, I just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Now this is Mitch. There are some drafts where I don't want to have the first pick, you know, cause I'm like, I can't decide between guys. How do I pick a favorite? Uh, this was a draft that I definitely was super cool with having the first pick because there is one team near and dear to my heart, hopefully soon to come back soon to reappear a city that deserves their NBA franchise back. I'm taking the Seattle supersonics number one, overall favorite sports franchises that no longer exist. The supersonics are a great brand. They're a great color scheme. They had a great history. They won an NBA final. So this was a good franchise uh, and a city that deserves the team. They would, I mean, just look at how they've treated the Kraken. And that just goes to show how Seattle will embrace the Supersonics when they come back, because it is a win, not an if at this point. Hopefully sooner rather than later, but no brainer here for the Supersonics. I mean, yeah, if you didn't take them, I was going to. So, yeah, Yeah. um, that's a great, great pick. I love it. Um, I mean, it's just just iconic, just iconic team. Um, great players, a great basketball history in Seattle. I really hope that they uh, eventually bring back the Supersonics. And like you said, I don't think it's a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Yeah. Uh, when the NBA eventually expands, that will be uh, definitely, certainly one of the uh, franchises that's going to be discussed coming back. Um, but Dallin, for my first pick, I'm going to kind of stay in the main, the same vein of teams that never should have gone in the first place. Hmm. They should still be here today, and it's a shame that they aren't. I'm going with the Montreal Expos. I love I mean, it. Um, you know, there's just there's no reason why the Montreal Expos should have left. Um, why they left for Washington. Um again, like Seattle, just an iconic franchise that unfortunately got the short end of the stick. And I think right now in the same vein as the supersonics, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when I think when MLB finally expands to 32 teams like they should, and the the discussions have been kind of ramping up as the years have gone along. I'm, I am kind of, I'm, I'm confident that Montreal will get uh, the expos back. And we'll be talking about expos baseball, maybe here in the next five years, who knows? I hope, I hope. Yeah, that would be awesome. I hope that uh, they are considered in potential relocations or expansions because it's a great market and it'd be great for the MLB to have a second team in Canada. You know, they already have uh, the Toronto Blue Jays, so why not uh, bring back Montreal? And a great, great colors and, you know, for uniforms. So, yeah, love it. Love it, Mitch. That's a good, that's a great uh, first pick. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I And then uh, with my second pick, I'm... I think Dallin knows where I'm going with my second pick because I didn't take yep. him number one overall. He, they're my favorite jerseys of all time. It's it's just it's a fantastic organization. Technically, they're still around, just under a different name and location. But give me the Houston Oilers. Um, yep. Look, my one of my favorite football players of all time is it was a Houston Oiler and Earl Campbell. Um, I have to pick the Houston Oilers here. I think that's just a great franchise with a great history. Um, and it's a, it's a shame that they're not around today because I feel like that that would be, um, 
it was a, it was a team that wasn't ready to go yet, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. they they went when they went. Yeah, yeah, that's totally fair. Uh, I thought that was going to be your one hundred one, uh, but those were two the picks. two I expected. No. <laughs> those were yeah. the two I expected, and the top three is gone just as I uh, thought. I figured here, these were going to be the three fun. in some orientation or you know one orientation or yeah. another. So, absolutely. Yeah. All right. That uh, brings me back up. I got my second and third pick started Mm. off with the supersonics. I'm debating. I'm debating some teams here. Okay. Trying to decide. I'm going to go, I'm going to go, we'll go chalk first and then we'll get a little fun on the, on the, on the second one here. So for the first, you know, I already went with an NBA franchise. I'm going to add another. Uh, This team has, some of the best branding that an NBA team has ever had. And it far surpasses what the current iteration of this team has going forward. And that's the Vancouver Grizzlies. Oh yeah. I'm going with the Vancouver Grizzlies here uh, with my second pick who existed from uh, their expand, their uh, expansion in the NBA in 1995 to when they were uh, taken away uh, to go to Memphis. And that's uh, where they, are now, which just, uh, it's not the same. It is not the same. The one, obviously Vancouver Grizzlies makes much, so much more sense than Grizzly bears in Memphis, Tennessee. Uh, the new color scheme, the light powder blue or the blue and, and white just does not slap the same way as that incredible turquoise, turquoise, and bronze and the red and black of the Vancouver Grizzlies. The, the, uh, the, the logo of the uh, is incredible. I mean, it was just so unique and iconic and also a great city for potential expansion back to, uh, I know they couldn't keep an NBA franchise for more than a decade, but it feels like maybe a place I could have a second shot. So I love the Vancouver Grizzlies. They're always hold a place near and dear to my heart as an NBA fan of the nineties. So I mean, yeah, I mean, I think it took me a long time for me to stop calling them the Vancouver Grizzlies because mm, yeah. um, when I was coming into my sports fandom as a young kid, what we were doing at the same time, um, I, they had always been the Vancouver Grizzlies. And so when they moved to Memphis, it was it was definitely a change. And I, I think I still called them Vancouver until I was in high school. You know, it was just <laughs> it was uh, a hard uh, change to make, but yeah, no, that's a great pick. It definitely makes more sense for them, you know, for that franchise at Vancouver. There's nothing, there's nothing intimidating about a powder blue grizzly, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. that turquoise and bronze and dark colors, and mm-hmm. uh, that's intimidating about a grizzly. I love, I love that pick. Love that pick. Yeah, yeah, grizzlies again. I mean, Memphis is they've been the Memphis Grizzlies for over 20 years now. They only were in Vancouver for like still six years, right? But it just, yeah, it still feels like they belong in Vancouver. So second pick there, Vancouver Grizzlies. My third pick though, Mitch, I'm going into the NHL. We're getting, we're having some fun now because uh, this franchise has a great name and a city that deserves a, a franchise. Why not good old Connecticut? Why not the Hartford Whalers? Whalers. We're going with the Hartford Whalers because one, the Whalers in the Northeast in Hartford for hockey. I mean, come on. That's like branding genius. That's incredible. And then obviously this is the team 
that is now the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, they moved to Carolina for the 97-98 season. But from 1979-1980 uh, season as an expansion team all the way uh, into the 90, end of 1997, they were the Hartford Whalers. And it's a great brand. It's a spot that has no – yeah, I know, I know it's redundant with the Bruins and the Islanders and the Rangers. There's a lot of teams in the Northeast. So I understand – like why you would want to move them from the NHL perspective, but it's so much, it's a much better brand. And uh, I just like, that's a great Hartford Whalers. Like that needs to come back. So I'm that's all a in. Great, that's a great one, man. I've, I, I threw around a couple different of the uh, uh, hockey names and yeah. none of them stuck quite like the Hartford mm. Whalers. An iconic a... logo too. Have you ever seen the logo? I'm going to actually pull yeah. it up here on the stream for those that are not familiar. Um, it's a great logo. This is, it, it like it's super unique looking and the colors again, I mean, I'm a big, like, you know, the colors have to look good kind of guy, but uh, yeah, I mean, this is, here we go. Yeah. That's just, that's, I mean, that's great. Top notch. That's look top at that. Notch. You got the W for the whalers and the, and then obviously the, fi- I mean, that's just great. And then you got the H in the middle. Oh yeah. I mean, so, yeah. So you logo, got the logo, and the w. logo genius. I mean, then the, the whale fin. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is gorgeous branding. I mean, just incredible. Well, well done. Yeah. And Hartford number three, great pick. Um, man, now here I am. (laughs) Um, (laughs) now here you are now here I am. Uh, you know, I'm going to go to the NBA and I'm going to go with a team that rebranded, um, to a much worse, mascot much worse Mm. everything about it yeah i'm gonna go with the washington bullets oh okay um i think that the washington bullets was that them going from the bullets to the wizards was a tragedy it's just like that is such a better team name it's more aggressive sounding it's it's you, no one fears a wizard. No one fears what? a wizard. Yep, hear wizard uh, and you think for yourself, Harry Potter. Mitch. I am terrified of wizards. Yeah, wizards, you think of Harry witches, Potter. I mean, come gremlins, on. ghouls. I'm afraid of them all. You think of Harry Potter. Come on. That's like no one's casting spells on you. It's way more intimidating to hear bullets. I mean, come on. That's, that's I mean, a, yeah, that, that's kind of why they great, changed the name was the whole I gun know, violence. I know that's thing. why they I know that's why they changed the name, but it's it's so much better. Yeah, and if I'm with you, if society just wasn't so soft <laughs> and could figure it out, then maybe we could still have the bullets. But, you know, um, I'm going with the bullets at number three. OK, I'm going. I like it. I think it would I think it would hurt less if the Wizards wasn't just such a god awful name. If they had just picked a better alternate name than bullets, I think it would be like, all right, like that's an awesome name, but we can accept this new one. But they fell so flat by picking the Wizards. That it just is like, what are we doing? Why is this yeah. still here? So I, yeah, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Three, three NBA teams on here. I'm surprised by that. Well, you know, there's been some good ones. There's been some good ones. Definitely. Uh, number four on the list. I'm going to stay in basketball, Ooh. but not in the NBA. And I'm between two. Harlem Globetrotters. No, they still exist. They're still around. <laughs> Um, an alternate name i don't know i don't know <laughs> i'm between two you know what i'm gonna give the ladies a shout out mm. i'm going with the sacramento monarchs oh okay um 
look, even when the, the Kings weren't that good, the Monarchs were still decent. And you could, <laughs> I mean, really what, I, I, am a, a, I am a full believer that if this team would still be around if the Maloof brothers weren't in charge of both franchises. Mm. Um, if they had not sold out the way that they did, they, they almost sank the Kings. They completely sank the Monarchs and they had no buyers for it. Um, the Sacramento Monarchs would still be around champions in 2005 WNBA champions in 2005, I believe. Um, so Sacramento does have a basketball championship to hang up in the rafters. It's just not the Kings. It's the Sacramento Monarchs. And what a great name. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a great, great, great name. Um, it's, in conjunction with the Kings, it's yeah, um, love the tying in of the same city and theming the names and around I, each other. I love the white, black, and purple paints, you know, the white, black, and purple uh, color scheme that they have. It, it, it was just a, it was a great, great franchise and um, shame that they're not around anymore. Yeah, that's a good, I, I like that. I like shout out to the WNBA where uh, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. Monarchs, yeah. Monarchs were solid. I, you know, they were. I remember they were right up there good. as like with like the LA. Uh, it LA was Sparks. it was like it was, funny because it was the same thing in the NBA. It was like Kings Lakers, and then it was like Sparks Monarchs were like the best teams for that yeah. era. That's kind of funny how that how that worked out like that. You know? Oh yeah, definitely, but, absolutely. All righty, um, I'm up. I'm back up. Is that right? You are back up. Yeah. Hey. Um, I am back up, Mitch. I've got two picks left in our draft of the our favorite sports franchises that no longer exist. There are so many I want to pick. I'm going to leave a lot out that I want to include here, so I got to go with two. I'm picking one that I believe was a huge missed opportunity when this team rebranded just a few years ago. The team history existed, and they passed it by. So for number four, I'm going to go with the Cleveland Spiders. Oh, yeah. Uh, Cleveland Spiders existed in professional baseball from 1887 to 1889. This is not the same team that has become the Cleveland Guardians that we know today. This was a now defunct franchise from the late 1800s. But the Spiders name started out as the Blues, by the way. The Cleveland Blues for two seasons and the Spiders in the NL. But... The Spiders' name is so good. When the Cleveland Indians franchise announced they would be changing that name and coming up with a new one, I was all on board with Spiders. I was so hopeful that they would go with that because I because of the history and just how unique and cool. There's no Spiders in professional sports in America. We have no names around that at all. So it'd be very unique. Uh, they chose Guardians. Guardians is mid at best. So, uh, yeah, Spiders, I love that name. Always stands out to me. So I'll pick that number four. I like that pick. A little nod to history, and I like that. I, I mean, all I, of this is a nod to history, for but, that. but I love the nod to deep history. So I, I appreciate that out of you, Dal. That's a great pick. Oh, yeah. I think that's a great pick. Oh, yeah. You're going to like this last one then, Mitch. Uh, oh, boy. I don't know. You may not even – I don't even know how familiar you are with this. Uh, so we will find out because for the fifth pick, we're going into the uh, NHL again for our final pick here. And uh, this NH. Do you want to take a guess? Okay, I'll give you one guess. You can guess who this is. Uh, I'm going to go with the New York Americans. Uh, no, that oh, okay. is not right. the New York Americans. This All is right, a well, team tell me. 
and a franchise that no longer exists in the NHL had a uh, had a sizable stint for almost about two decades. NHL expansion team in 1967. They've gone by the wayside. I love unique names. I love colors in names if it's done well. Number five, the California Golden Seals. Oh, of the that's NHL. a good one. That's a good one. I like the, that. The Golden Seals. And again, we got to do justice here with the logo so that you guys can appreciate if you're watching the stream, uh, not only this team, but the the color scheme here on the on the logo. So this yeah. is the Golden Seals logo. You can kind of make out a seal inside a yellow uh, C shape with some green in the middle. So it's a yellow green color scheme, really light, yeah. really fresh, very sixties and seventies, which is uh, when this team existed from uh, 1967 to 1976 uh, based in Oakland. They, they had uh, a few, you know, different changes. They were the California seals, the San Francisco seals, the Oakland seals, the Bay area seals, the California golden seals, and then ended in Cleveland as the Cleveland Barons for two seasons. So uh, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, you could see it definitely coincides with the A's, with the green and yellow yes. um, being an Oakland-based team. I love the Bay Area Golden Seals. I love that. Yeah. Like, Bay Area Seals, that's a great one. Bay Area but, Seals. I loved the California Golden Seals. That's why we went with that one. So there you go. Yeah. That's my number five pick, California Golden Seals of the NHL. I love it. Dallin, that was a great pick. That was a great Let's pick. Go. Definitely my, what, like something I considered. So um, I am going to not do uh, anything NHL, though, in my draft. And I'm not going to do anything in, more NBA. No more MLB. No more mm. football. Mm. I'm going to the world of NASCAR. Oh. And I'm going with Junior Johnson and Associates or Johnson Hogden Racing. Okay. Um, And I'm going to pick this team clearly, just purely based off the success that they had and how it wasn't able to be sustained and why Junior Johnson had to close up shop. So Junior Johnson, a legendary NASCAR driver, there's a whole movie about him. Watch The Last American Hero. It's loosely based off Junior Johnson. Um, 50 career wins as a driver. Um, was notorious for being arrested for running moonshine. Opens up his own team after his racing career. 132 wins as an owner. Six championships. 76, 77, 78, 81, 82, 85. Wins three with Kelly Yarborough, three with Daryl Waltrip. Um, one of the most successful teams of the 70s, 80s, and the early 90s. Um, unfortunately, they closed up shop, I believe, after the 1995 season. Yes. So, um, Look, this is just a team that there's so many great drivers that took part in this. Bobby Isaac, A.J. Foyt, Freddie Lorenzen, Leroy Yarborough, Cale Yarborough, Bobby Allison, Daryl Waltrip, Neil Bonnet, Terry Labonte, Jeff Bodine, Bill Elliott, Sterling Marlin, Elliot, or Elton Sawyer, Jimmy Spencer, Earl Ross. All these great drivers took part in this racing team, this franchise, if you will, and is no longer part of NASCAR. It's a, it's a complete shame that they had to shut down shut down the team. Um, but I'm going with junior Johnson and associates. I know it's a reach. It's a selfish pick, but it's my pick. And I want to give the shout out to one of the great racing teams that don't exist anymore. I love it. Out of what a 40 year run, right? Yeah. Just I mean, about. That's, 
That's awesome. I'll, you know, Mitch, Mitch is always good for the NASCAR. You love to see it. We always try to throw <laughs> some curveballs out there at the end. So yeah, shout out to uh, yeah Junior Johnson and Associates or what, John Johnson Hodge- Johnson Hodgson Racing. Hodgson yeah. Racing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a partnership late, yeah. late in the deal. So okay. Alrighty, that's the that's the sports hour draft favorite sports franchise that no longer exists. Mitch, let's run through our list one more time for the folks. I'll start us off. I had the first overall pick, my top five: Seattle Supersonics, Vancouver Grizzlies, Hartford Whalers, Cleveland Spiders, and the California Golden Seals. I have the Montreal Expos, the Houston Oilers, the Washington Bullets, the Sacramento Monarchs, and John, Junior Johnson and Associates Racing. So. You love to see it. All uh, right. Let us yeah. let us know if you're watching live or if you're listening live tonight on this Wednesday evening. Let us know you uh thought had the better draft here. Who did we uh maybe leave off or forget if you're uh watching this or listening to this in the future? Let us know your thoughts. Uh who were some of those franchises? What were some of those franchises, Mitch, that you really wanted to include on this or or heavily considered here? Ah, man, there's, there was a few, there was a, the spirit of St. Louis was the one that Mm. I toyed with an ABA team. Um, there's the Canton Bulldogs, right? Oh yeah. That was, that was on my list. It's a great one. one. Original ones. There were some XFL teams, um, that I toyed with. Um, there was some USFL teams like the Houston gamblers, uh, that I toyed with, uh, that would have been, a, a a great, team to add uh, the Virginia Squires another NBA or ABA team that I thought about adding so um yeah there was just there was there was quite a few but I what were the what were the big ones for you because I'm sure we had plenty of different ones yeah Canton Bulldogs was on my list that one I definitely considered out of the NBA I loved San Diego Rockets or the Clippers I just one of the San Diego franchises I considered uh mlb there were some fun ones i don't know if you've heard of some of these so i mean of course you have mitch but listeners if you haven't let us know but detroit wolverines fantastic Mm -hmm. name why are we not using wolverines more often love that uh washington senators obviously that was like a throwback but the chicago orphans yes what the orphans that was allowed incredible (laughs) that was allowed at one point yeah we talk about being offended by stuff now yeah the orphans the children without parents uh and then my personal favorite the wooster woosters uh yeah which is just (laughs) such a good i mean come on the wooster woosters incredible uh the nfl team i wanted also besides canton uh the duluth eskimos uh because eskimos what that's incredible I love that. Luth Eskimos. Yeah. Yeah. So there there was one actually that uh, I really wanted to um, add in there, but it was, it's on a technicality. It was during world war two, the Philadelphia Eagles and the Pittsburgh Steelers had players both leave for the war. Oh, right. So they combined teams and they became the Steagles. (laughs) Yes. um, Which which I kind of thought was kind of a fun (laughs) one, but Maybe that wouldn't necessarily fly for this draft, but uh, that would be a fun me- a fun mention. So I do like that's awesome. That's great. Yeah. yeah, this was this was a lot of fun. Honestly, I was telling Mitch uh, before we started recording that you know, like a funniest or best sports franchise names of all time might be a draft we have to uh, do because there were some great names that I came across looking on this, you know, for past franchises and whatnot. So I feel yeah. like we may have to bust this uh, a similar segment out here in the future. Absolutely. We'll, we'll definitely have to. Um, so yeah, great draft. Great draft. My Love friend. it. Love great it. draft. And Dallin, let's go ahead and just take a quick break here, right? We're at an hour nine. It's time for a break. 
And when we come back from this break, we got a brand new one for you. And I think it'll be a fun one. And we hope that you play along with us. We got a top five coming your way. And we got a sports hour bracket to round up the show. You're not going to want to miss it. So stick around and we'll be right back. Welcome back to the Sports Hour. Some smooth jazz there on the break, courtesy of DOPE. Great work there, Dallin. Um, Dallin, we got a brand new segment that we're going to reveal today. It's called an Immaculate Grid, and I think it's something that's been becoming more popular across uh, di- maybe multiple different sports casts, uh, sports podcasts that I've seen. And we figured we'd give it a shot and see if we can tag team an immaculate grid and figure out if we can get it together. So Dallin, maybe let's go into explaining for the listeners that are listening to this in podcast form, not watching what an immaculate grid is. Yeah, exactly. So you can actually find this yourself if you want to try it out and uh, see how you do. It's immaculategrid.com. Uh, they have different versions for uh, baseball, football, and basketball. But uh, essentially, you have nine squares of information you have to fill in uh, and going parallel uh, or going up and down on this nine grid chart are different teams uh, and usually one stat at the very end. And the idea is you have to place a player in the grid that correlates with the two teams that cross there. For example, in the one we're doing today, and if you're watching this, you can see this on the screen. If you're not listening along, 
good, good, uh, good uh, invite now to join the YouTube because now you can see this. Uh, that first grade at the top left is Minnesota Vikings, Cleveland Browns. So we'd have to fill that out with a player who played for both the Minnesota Vikings and Cleveland Browns. The more rare the player, the better it is, the, you know, the better you do, but we have to get it perfect. You have nine shots to get it right nine times. So we figured with Mitch and I together, our collective brain power cruise through this. So what do you think, my friend? Shall we just jump right in? I think so. And I think we'll, I think we'll be okay. I think we'll be okay. okay. I'm, I'm hoping to rely on you. I'm not going to lie. So, uh, where do you want to, where do you want to start here? Where do you feel most confident to start with? Let's start with the 3,000 yard passers. I think we can okay. knock out those pretty quick. Okay. So easy. Bottom, bottom right, Buffalo Bills, 3,000 yard passer, Josh Allen. Okay. Do we want to go? Do you want to go any more or, rare or than we that? Go we feel Jim confident. Kelly? Jim Kelly definitely threw for 1,000, right? Let's go Jim Kelly or 3,000, I mean. So yeah. we'll go Jim Kelly. I feel great about that. We'll go a little okay. bit different. I feel like a lot of people go Josh yeah. Allen off the rip. 3,000 yard passing season. For the Las Vegas Raiders. Okay, I'm, so is this counting Oakland as well? It does. Or? Yes, it includes all of the franchise history. So it's not so, just as their time in Vegas. So I'm kind of feeling like Rich Gannon would be. Maybe I was a thinking good one. Rich Rich Gannon or Kenny Stabler. Yeah, if, one now, of those. Rich two. Gannon would be a, a lower percentage. I think. I think we. Get I feel more. like that one might be a little more off the radar. So we'll try Rich Gannon. Twenty-two percent on that one. Okay, that's not bad. That's pretty good. Cleveland okay. Browns three thousand yard passer. Uh, Derek Anderson, Derek. Oh, that's a good one. Derek Anderson definitely had the, the pro bowl season with 3000 yards. I think that's going to be pretty rare. 10% okay. on Derek Anderson, 3000 passing yard season. I love that. Okay, okay. Mitch. So I think here we got to choose. So the ones at the top that we've got to find three fits for the two teams at the top are the Minnesota Vikings and the Atlanta Falcons. I feel like we got to choose one of these teams and then just try to go down the list. Okay. What do you so feel most confident with? Let's start with Bills and Vikings because I think there's an easy one. Bills and Vikings. Okay. Uh, Stefan Diggs would be the easy one. But I love it. Let's yeah. uh, honestly, I don't. Okay. Vikings and Bills. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head if there's anybody else that comes to mind before we oh. just mail that in. No, I'm thinking of Tio. I'm crossing Tio and Randy Moss now. Sorry. <laughs> I was, oh, yeah. I was crossing t- those two. Um, I think Stefan Diggs. Let's go be. Stephon Diggs because yeah. the thing is, is we have to get perfect. That's a 79 percenter, but we yeah. can't miss. So if we don't feel confident, we got to just right put it in. Okay, Minnesota and the Las Vegas Raiders. Ooh. Who is a player that played for both the Vikings and the Raiders? Mm. This is a tough one. This is a tricky one. You know who is kind of a journeyman? I don't know if he played. Will Compton? Will Compton? Okay. Linebacker. I don't know if he played for Minnesota. I know he played for the Raiders. You know he played for Vegas. Yeah, I'm not sure about I'm Minnesota. not sure he played for Minnesota, though. Okay. Let's sit um, on that a little bit. Let's jump up. Let's look at Browns and Vikings. Minnesota yeah. Vikings, Cleveland Browns. Instantly, my head thinks like, Ryan Fitzpatrick is the safe guess for any of them. <laughs> like, you know, like I, you know, he's going to be, I the mean, safe he didn't play for half the franchises. He did not play for Cleveland though. I'm uh, pro- right. He did not play for Minnesota. I'm pretty sure. So no. Damn. 
trying to think of some wide receivers maybe or um a running back maybe oh boy that's dirt no i don't think he played there both vikings browns or vikings raiders Did Mo- Moss did not play for the Raiders, right? Moss did play for the Raiders. Oh, yeah, we could do Moss. Yeah, Randy Moss. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's oh my gosh, that's an easy one. Yeah. Hey, we were overthinking it, trying to do do obscure. Randy Moss there for Vikings and Raiders, so we'll still have Vikings Browns. We can sit on that. We've also got to get Browns Falcons. Yeah, Carlos Browns. Hyde. Did Carlos Hyde play for the Falcons? I'm fr- I'm trying to think of like a running that back. Sounds familiar. Did it? Um, no, Tevin Coleman would have played for like the Niners. Where did Dante Freeman or Devonte Freeman? He you know the. Been, where did he end yeah, up? It, like after Atlanta, you know, like during New York. Like, he, he went to the Giants. Went to New York. Okay. What about like uh, Michael Turner? Did Michael Turner? He was a running back, right, for the Falcons. Michael Turner, but he was a lifetimer. Was he a lifetimer? No, well, yeah. actually, he played for the Chargers afterwards, I think. Okay, for right. Time. Actually, yeah. you know what? Deep pull. Deep pull for Vikings-Browns. Okay. Jim Marshall. Jim Marshall. Deep pull for the Browns. 3% Mitch. Let's go. That was the, he was the wrong way touchdown guy. Oh, Jim my God. Jim Marshall's running the wrong way. Yes, he played wow. for the Browns. Okay, yeah. That's um, great. Okay, did Dion play for the Raiders? No, he and played the for Fal- San Francisco. And the Dallas, right? And then Atlanta, but not yeah. Yeah. Um I mean Matt Shaw. Wait, Matt Schaub. Oh, Matt Schaub Raiders, play? Raiders, 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 Raiders. Matt for Schaub? and Raiders, Matt Schaub. Yeah. Let's go. Four yeah. percent. Oh my Let's goodness! Go. Wow, Let's we're go. killing it now, Mitch. Okay, we've got two yeah, left on the grid, guys. We're seven out of nine. We've got the Atlanta Falcons and um, Cleveland Browns. We need a player for that, and then we need a player for the Falcons and the Buffalo Bills. <sighs> Fuck, dude. Um, Falcons Bills. Oh my god. Um. I'm trying to think of some like Falcons defensive ends that might have left for Buffalo. Yeah. Oh, what about Hayden Hurst? Did Hayden Hurst Hayden Hurst played for the Falcons? And he did he play for the Browns? I know he had started I know he started in Baltimore and then went to Atlanta. For some reason, to- no, I think he went to Cincinnati. I'm thinking Cincinnati, not Cleveland. Yep. I'm definitely thinking Cincinnati, not Cleveland. Okay. Yep. Um we're close. Two more. We're so close. Falcons, Browns, um, Falcons, Bills. Falcons, Bills is the one that I know is going to scream to me. Yeah, I feel like there's going to be like an obvious one there. Um, Matt Milano. Where did he play before Buffalo? That's the question. That's what I'm thinking. I think it might be Atlanta or he don't... or he was a lifetime bill. Yeah, I don't feel super confident in him in Atlanta. Yeah. 
Um, Tremaine Edmonds is a lifetime bill. Yeah. Right? Um, well, he yeah. just moved teams, but I don't know where he moved. But that might not count because they have to have played for the team. So it can't be a guy that just signed. Right. They had to have played a snap, uh, which is going to make that tricky. Falcons, Browns, Falcons, Bills. Michael Turner didn't have like a weird thing at the end of his career, did he? I don't. That's what I don't remember. That's what I. That's what I don't remember. Let's maybe try to think back about this, Mitch, as this exercise. Let's think back to the Super Bowl team for the Falcons just a few years ago, and let's just think about that roster, and then try to think where those guys may have gone afterwards, and let's see if we can piece one of them into Buffalo or Cleveland. Okay. Roddy White. Roddy White was not on that team, but Roddy White no. is a good name. But I don't know where he ended up after Atlanta. And I don't um, think it was Buffalo or Cleveland. It's not Calvin Ridley. No, not um, Calvin Ridley. It wouldn't be oh, Freeman. Mack? Alec Mack? Alec Mack? Did he play for Cleveland? Is that what you're thinking? I'm thinking he played for Cleveland. I feel like a Mack played for Cleveland. Ale- Alex, maybe- Ma- Alex Mack? Alec? Let me let me look at Alex Mack. Do we want to go for it? Do we feel confident? Uh, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Let's do it. Oh my gosh! Oh, let's go! Let's go! Nailed it. Seventeen percent. We've got one left. We're killing oh. it on this low key. Okay, one left in the immaculate we need grid. Falcons Bills. We need Falcons Bills. Falcons and the Bills. Um. There wasn't like a weird Braylon Edwards here, was there? I don't think so. He would have been a good one for Browns, though. Oh, no, he went to the, the Jets. He went to the Jets, not the Bills. Yeah. Um, it's just the guy that the, played the on a lot of a... different teams. Uh, the Go guy ahead. that played on a bunch of teams. I don't know if there's a crossover. Emmanuel Sanders? He didn't, I don't think he played for Atlanta, but definitely yeah. Buffalo. That's what I was kind of thinking. Remember the first years of Josh Allen, their wide receiver crew in Buffalo was so random. Like John Brown, you know, he had Cole Beasley. Um, Cole Beasley was a of, cowboy forever, though. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anyone like in that group that would have also played in, in uh, Atlanta. Um. Oh, I could be confusing Andres here. Andre yeah. Reed. Andre Reed. Tell me about Andre Reed because it's not coming to mind. So he was on those Buffalo Bills teams when they lost four straight. Okay. I could. I don't know if I'm confusing with Andre Dyson though. That was mm. on those those Dirty Bird Falcons teams in the late nineties. Right. Um, yeah, it's hard unless we feel super confident. We can't really guess it because we got one shot now. I think I'm, I think I'm crossing those two up, and I think I'm crossing those two up. Okay, yeah. I don't want to screw this up for us. Okay. Damn, 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 dude. This is tough. There's gotta be tough. a guy. This is tough. One more again. We're looking for a Falcons or Bills player, uh, and it's probably going to be pretty obvious to you, the listener, because you're not doing this right now. But for Mitch and I, it's very difficult. Um, so when you're looking at it, it's way more difficult. Oh my gosh, it's like the pressure's on. Uh, any Vic era Falcons that we can think of that could have potentially, you know, um, Harry Douglas, yeah, literally doesn't ring a bell. Oh, okay, 
he's a he's a guy on ESPN yeah. now. But um, oh, there you go. Algie Crumpler. Ooh, I do like that name. Did he play for Buffalo? No. I don't know. I know he played for Atlanta. I know yeah, he, he played did. for Atlanta. Yeah, he did. Algie Crumpler. That kind of feels. Did good. he have? Did he have? Do a we want to go for it? Do we want to send it? I kind of want to send wanna, it on Algie Crumpler. I kind of feel. I feel great about sending it on Algie Crumpler, the tight end, two thousand one to two thousand ten. Did we get it? No. No. We did oh. not get the final one. Eight out of nine. No Algie Crumpler on that. But wow, that was pretty dang good. That was. That was eight out of ten. That's pretty damn good. Eight I'll out tell of nine. you what. That's I'll tell good. you what. When they give you the number in the team, like the you know the stat mm. that you have to meet with the team, it makes it a lot easier. Oh, when yeah. you got to cross teams, oh boy, that makes it with way blind more guess. Blind guess. Now I got to look up Algie Crumpler and know where he played for, just to make sure, just to know what we know. Uh, played for Are Atlanta, you... Tennessee, and New England. Okay. We were kind of close. You got up there in New England in the AFC East, but I like how you're fact checking. <laughs> no, I wasn't fact checking them. I just <laughs> fact checking us on our memories. Well done. Uh, that was damn. fun. We might uh, do that every once in a I... while because those are those are fun exercises. And the combined brain strength of both of us gives us a shot, I think. You know, and that's just a guys being dudes moment there, too. Like where <laughs> yeah. we could just like throw names out and just be like, oh, remember this guy? Oh, yeah, I remember him. Yeah. Like, Oh, remember him? Oh, yeah, I remember him. That's just a dude's rule type moment. There. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, uh, we hope you enjoyed that. If you're listening or following along, uh, if you were screaming at us because you knew the answer, we apologize. Uh, we, uh, Leave in the comments, our best. by the way. Leave in the comments, by the way. And when we post this, you know, maybe as a TikTok, leave us in the comments what you thought the answer was. Give us mm. the answer that you knew it was. Yeah. Hey, by the way, no Googling. No Googling. Yeah. It's got to be a raw. We did answer. no searching. We did no, no searching. searching. That was no off the dome. Freestyling. The dome. Love People. it. All righty, Mitch. Yeah. Uh, it, it's that time of the show. We got to hear from you. Oh, boy. Top five list of the week. Let's go. Well, you know, Dallin, we've been doing our quarterbacks by era mm-hmm. series, and we're going to stick right with it. Um, I couldn't come up with any cool sayings that uh, the 90s had. So. Let's just get right into it, man. Let's get a uh, let's get right into Mitch Mo's top five list of the week because we're gonna get into quarterbacks of the 1990s, the era of grunge bands, the era of Nickelodeon cartoons, <laughs> the era of I don't know. What do you remember from the 90s, Dallin? What are your favorite 90s? Uh, I remember childhood. Uh, I remember uh, the the push ice cream pops, the push pops. Oh, the push I love pops. Push pops. Uh, gushers, uh, Flintstone I vitamins, all that on Nickelodeon, you know, yeah, oh. all the good stuff. Uh, Wu Tang <laughs> Clan, Enter the uh, 36 Chambers by Wu Tang Clan, greatest uh, hip hop album of all time. Remember right. that vividly? Eminem start, Eminem, yeah, exactly, come being in the 90s. Uh, TLC, the Backstreet Boys, and Sync. I mean, come on, so many good things about the 90s, but Dallin, we're going to talk about a specific. Good thing about the 90s, that was quarterbacks. And I'll tell you what, of all the lists, this one I labored the most over because mm. I had a hard time picking these ones. The honorable mentions are pretty simple, right? Drew Bledsoe, Randall Cunningham, Warren Moon, Dan Marino, Mark Brunell. All great quarterbacks, right? Oh, yeah. Um, Dan Marino might be the little bit of a shock that's on the honorable mention. Um, 
because he's Dan Marino, but like the majority, his good production years came in the eighties, right? They didn't mm-hmm. come in the nineties. When it comes to the top five, Dallin, you can make an argument for any of the top three being number one. You can make an argument for number four being in the top three, and you can make an argument of number five being number four. So like mm-hmm. there are just, there is just plenty of variety that comes with this list. I'm a little scared to give it, but uh, <laughs> I welcome the online hate. Just let yes. me know where I'm wrong. We say every week, tell us we suck. That's how we can get better. Tell me nice. I suck, and I'll work on getting better. Dallin, let's get started with number five on the list. Number five, I'm going Jim Kelly. Mm. Jim Kelly going to be number five on the list. A 73-30 and 30 record as a quarterback in the 90s, 156 touchdowns, 112 interceptions, um, three-time Pro Bowler, one-time All-Pro, four straight Super Bowl appearances without a Super Bowl victory. And that's probably what puts him down at number five and what puts him in the top five, right? You have to get you have to get to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, getting to the Super Bowl is an accomplishment in itself, right? But losing straight four straight Super Bowls definitely hurts you in the long run. So it's what puts him there, but it's also what keeps him down at the bottom part of the top five. Um, ran that K gun offense underneath or uh, under Marv Le- Levy. And it was just a, a great, great fit for what Jim Kelly did best. We saw him do it in the USFL with the Houston gamblers. He did it best in Buffalo and he's going to be uh, number five on the list. Yeah, I, that's a great pick. I, you know, you know, it's a crazy list when a guy who went to four straight Pro Bowls is number five. So, uh, you know, you know, the nineties Super good. Bowls, four straight Super Bowls. I mean, excuse me, yeah, yeah. four straight Super Bowls, and and yeah, is, is the fifth, the final entry on the list. So, yeah, I mean, it's a tough, it is a tough list to get into. <laughs> and number four on the list, Alan, we're gonna go with a guy um, who I think you probably would have had higher up had you been mm. making this one. I'm going Steve Young. Yeah, I'm going Steve Young at number the four. Disrespect. I'm just kidding. I mean, it is. I mean, I it feels disrespectful, right? Because his efficiency numbers were so good. Yeah. Right. Eighty-four and thirty-one record, two hundred touchdowns to only eighty interceptions. Completed just over sixty-six percent of his passes. Quarterback rating over one hundred one. Um, also ran for thirty-three rushing touchdowns. The guy was a two-time MVP, a one-time Offensive Player of the Year, a Super Bowl champion, a Super Bowl MVP, seven-time Pro Bowler. It feels wrong to put him down this low. But compared to the other guys and the MVPs and the Super Bowls, it just doesn't quite compare. I think that's steep. Then this is the guy I said, you could definitely make an argument for him being in that top three or even the top mm-hmm. two quarterbacks of the 90s. Um, but Steve Young on this list is, is going to fall number four on the list. Fair enough. You know, it is Mitch Moe's top five list of the week, so we cannot complain. We just have to accept it. I'm curious to know where you would put him after you know the other three, which yeah. I think you have an idea of what the I'll other let three you, are going to yeah, be. But, yeah. um, number three on the list, I'm going Troy Aikman, a three-time Super Bowl champion, one-time Super Bowl MVP, a six-time Pro Bowler, 90-53 and 53 record, 149 touchdowns, 109 interceptions, um, completed just over 62% of his passes. Look, the guy's got the winning credentials. He was carried by a great rushing attack and great defenses. Um, and so I, I not carried that makes it sound bad, but you know, the numbers and the, you know, the gaudy numbers that other guys on this list had put up, 
just aren't there for Troy Aikman because they had a completely different attack on offense. Um, but probably one of the best game managers in NFL history was Troy Aikman. He did a fantastic job at staying efficient and um, controlling the game when the game needed to be controlled. Um, Troy Aikman going to be number three on the list for quarterbacks in the nineties. Yeah, fair enough. He was a winner. That'll get you up there. That'll certainly get it, get you up there. Right. Uh, number two on the list going with Brett Favre, Brett Favre, mm, number two on the list. Um, 82 and 43 record as a quarterback, 235 touchdowns to 141 touchdowns completed over or 141 interceptions. Excuse me. Uh, completed over 61% of his passes over almost 31,000 yards passing in the nineties, a three time MVP three in a row from 95 through 97, a one-time offensive player of the year, won a Super Bowl in 96, a five-time pro bowler, three-time all pro. The guy's got the MVPs. The guy's got the accolades. I know he doesn't have the Super Bowls that Aikman has, but darn it, he was also more box office than Aikman was. Everyone wanted to watch Brett Favre play. If you get the choice between watching Troy Aikman play and Brett Favre play, you're picking Brett Favre 10 out of 10 times. 100 out of 100 times. You're picking <laughs> Brett Favre because he was so dynamic. He was a gunslinger, right? He was so dynamic and different from you know with what he did. You're picking Brett Favre to watch every day of the week. That's why he's number two on the list. Yeah, I love it. Hey, three straight MVPs, and you can't get number one on the list, though. It's got to be a pretty good name up top. I got to give the nod. I got to give the nod to John Elway, right? And I mentioned it yeah. last week with the 80s where, you know what? He, he was great in the 80s, but his success came in the 90s. It came at the end of his career, a back-to-back -back Super Bowl champion in 97 and 98. Um. 40 or 84 and 49 record as a quarterback, 180 touchdowns, 112 interceptions. Um, the guy also was a very underrated rusher, you know, almost over 1,700 rushing yards and 22 rushing touchdowns in the 90s. Um, two time Super Bowl champion, one time Super Bowl MVP, six time Pro Bowler, a Walter Payton Man of the Year. Um, I think the guy just completely encompassed what a 90s quarterback was supposed to look like. The other guys were kind of anomalies and they looked a little bit different. John Elway kind of was the prototype for the 90s quarterback and um, did it in winning fashion. So I give him the top spot here for quarterbacks in the 90s. Fair enough. Hey, there's a lot of good names up there, as you guys just heard, because Mitch rattled off five incredible names in the top five quarterbacks of the 90s. Uh, Let's hear one more time in order for the folks. So number five on the list, Jim Kelly. Number four, Steve Young. Number three, Troy Aikman. Number two, Brett Favre. And number one, John Elway. It's a great list, my friend. It's a great list. I will say you asked how I'd feel about Steve Young at the end of the list. I, I, I definitely would have put him above Aikman. I probably would have felt really good with him at three. Um, and I would have even maybe put Favre at one. I, I think I love that you gave it to Elway and yeah. you know, Favre is going to have more of the numbers. He has the three MVPs and all that, but I, I totally understand where you're saying Elway meant more to the decade maybe than Favre did. And I think that's a fair argument to make. And you certainly made a good case for that. So I, I love the list. It's a great list as always. It's never wrong. Cause it's Mitch Mo's and he does it right. Uh, but oh, I, uh, I'm sure I've had it. some, I'm sure I've had some wrong ones. I'm sure. <laughs> um, and I've heard about it on the TikTok, by the way, too, how wrong I am. Um, 
No, Young over Aikman was one of the considerations I had, and then far over Elway. So you absolutely nailed the, the things that were eating at me while I was yeah. trying to make this <laughs> list. So um, you're 100% correct. Well, I think correct. you did great. I think oh, you did well, great. Yeah. That's a yeah. tough one. It's uh, Is it going to get any easier in the 2000s for you next time we come around, though? Because I know you were not looking forward to the 90s. The 90s is certainly one of those decades. The 2000s will have some names, but maybe it's a little more like cut and dry. Do you think? It's a little bit more clear cut, I think. It's a little bit more clear cut. Mm. Well, maybe. I don't know. We there, shall see. I there don't are know, some but... Super Bowl winners that probably aren't going to make the list because we've had some weird Super Bowl winning quarterbacks in the 2000s. So Facts. Facts. Dilfer, Gannon. I mean, come on. Brad Johnson. Like, Brad Johnson. Oh, yeah, that's right. Not Gannon. Brad Johnson. You're right. Uh, yeah, Gannon I mean, got his is, ass uh, kicked in the Super yeah, Bowl is what yeah, happened. Yeah, he did. Oh, yeah. oh man. Yeah, yeah, that'll be. We'll look forward to that. The, the top five. Mitch most top five list of the week. The best, as always. Best 90s quarterbacks of all time. The definitive list on it here on the Sports Hour podcast. Mitch, let's wrap up the show here with our Sports Hour bracket this week. We've done a couple brackets. We started off during March Madness with the greatest college mascot team name uh, team names of all time. Uh, and then uh, not that long ago, we did another bracket to determine the greatest defensive player of all time, which we landed on Lawrence Taylor. Uh, felt great about that. No, no, was no our, complaints who there. Who was our greatest mascot? Who was the best mascot? Uh, the Hawaii, the Hawaii Rainbow Warriors. That's, That's who right. We ended up the Rainbow Warriors. Yeah. And by the way, in in hindsight, on both of those decisions, feel great. I feel oh, excellent yeah. about that. Hundred percent nailed that, and I have no doubt we'll nail today's bracket, Mitch. And today on the podcast, we are doing a sixteen-person bracket uh, to determine the greatest college quarterback. Of all time. That's what we're doing today on the Sports Hour podcast. If you're watching this on YouTube or Twitter, you get to see the bracket up here in your face. If you're listening, you'll just have to follow along. But uh, yeah, Mitch and I have seeded. We've chosen 16 players uh, in college football history. We've seeded them. And now we will uh, go through to figure out who is the greatest college quarterback of all time. And I want to start this off by saying, I don't think there's a definitive answer out there for this. You know, when you look up at greatest NFL player, defensive player of all time. Yeah. Lawrence Taylor comes up 95% of the time. Right. But, and you can, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts on this, but the searching that I did on just other lists that existed just to kind of cross check, see where other people, there was no consensus among the list that I found of any one particular player at the top. It was a wide variety of cases on who people put as the best quarterback of college in college football's history. So I'm excited to see where we end on this. Yeah. I mean, I saw anything from Tim Tebow to Johnny Manziel. It was even mm-hmm. mentioned in some of those lists because of his excitement. He brought yeah. as a quarterback, which clearly you wouldn't consider him one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time, but you know, he's mentioned in some people's lists because it resonates something. I think that when it comes to talking about college quarterbacks, it is completely subjective um, because more, I think more so than the NFL college football makes you feel certain like different feelings. I think that like you get more tied to the individual than you do like in the NFL where you get tied to yep. the team. Right. And so um, I think this is going to be a very interesting one that we go through. We got 16 guys. Uh, we split them up into four groups. So basically you're going to see it as kind of one through 16, but basically what we have is four groups, one a group of four, one seeds, four, two seeds, four, three seeds, four, four seeds. Um, with the four seeds being what we call small school legends. But basically what is going to be is non power five legends 
that we have grouped into the four seeds. So um, you're going to see some names excluded. Don't get at us, right? We'll get yeah. to them later, but we want to give some of the small school non-Power 5 greats the shout out and give them the opportunity to go through this bracket as well. So um, Absolutely. Because just like March Madness, you know, you'd have some small schools ready to upset on the big stage. And just like that, you know, uh, we've set that up the same way. So perhaps we will see some upsets. it's not interesting to just get the chalk guys in there. It's not interesting. Come on. We're about not content, people. This is a this is a content machine, so not an information box. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we're right, not without... we're not a textbook. We're trying to make some content here. Let's go. Okay, without further ado, Mitch, let's jump into this. Let's start at the top with the number 1 seed Tim Tebow versus the number 4 seed Kellen Moore in this side of the bracket. Tim Tebow obviously at the top his storied career at Florida. Kellen Moore on the other hand, Boise State legend led them through uh their most successful period in their school's history uh has gone on to be a great uh nfl coach in his own right uh neither guys had great nfl careers uh but had obviously fantastic college careers in a similar time by you know late 2000s early 2010s you know right around there which is kind of funny that they match up here at the top so uh i'll let you say whatever you want about kellen moore before we pick tim tebow here <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think it's objectively Tim Tebow is the yeah. answer here. Um, but I love that Kellen Moore is on this bracket because you know he has one of the. Oh, sorry about the the squeaky voice there. Um, he has a objectively one of the great college football moments of all time with the statue, or that it's not the Statue of Liberty play, but um, has one of the greatest college football runs of all time where, you know, Boise state was in the top five in the country for a two year stretch. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were national championship contenders as a team out of the mountain West. I mean, they had a really, really good run and he had really, really solid play. Um, the, the fact that he almost by himself was able to elevate that program to that level, um, certainly puts him in the conversation, but Tim Tebow, I mean, just, yeah, his college run that he put together was just unmatched, almost one, two Heisman's. And yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, he's just not going to be Tebow in this one. Yeah. We'll have, we'll, we'll talk about Tebow more. Kellen, uh, Kellen Moore though. I mean, from 2009 to 2011, Mitch, uh, all three seasons, he finished top eight in Heisman voting as a quarterback from Boise state. I mean, if that doesn't tell you what kind of impact he had on the sport, uh, getting recognition like that at that level, big time. But uh, Tim Tebow will advance here in the first, Part of this bracket, Mitch. Up next, the uh, this is the three four matchup in this side of the bracket. We have, or sorry, the two three matchup in this side of the bracket. We have uh, two seed Roger Staubach versus the three seed Baker Mayfield. Interesting matchup here. Yeah, I mean a- another interesting one, and in that Baker had the uh, the long term success, right? The ba- Baker had the long term success at Oklahoma. Um. But Roger Staubach was a game changer, man. You know, he was a part of those uh, that era where the military academy schools were like top tier programs in the nation. Um, and Roger Staubach was the best quarterback to come out of those military programs coming out of Navy. Um, didn't actually partake in his first four seasons that he was eligible for the NFL because he was serving, right? He was serving his country. He's a, Damn American people. <laughs> Salute Roger Staubach. 
That's why I'm giving Roger Staubach the edge. You know Ooh. what? I, I, I don't think that I am partial to break Baker Mayfield. I don't think that there's, you know, Baker had the, you know, objectively a better, you know, statistical career at Oklahoma, mm-hmm. but you know, Roger Staubach there, he was a trendsetter. He was, he was originator of the scrambling quarterback, especially at the college football level. And so I give, I give the nod to Staubach. You know, I listen, Baker, great career, seventh all time in passing yards in college uh, football history. Uh, won a Heisman at Oklahoma. Could, couldn't reach the national title game and have that success on that end, but great individual career for Baker Mayfield. But I will go with you on Roger Staubach here. Uh, won the Heisman 1963 at Navy and the last player to win the Heisman from the Sur- a service academy. So uh, obviously a throwback here, but we got to give some sp- respect to the old heads. You have we'll to go Roger Staubach. Yeah. I like that. I feel great about that. Mitch, up next. Great matchup here. Matt Leinert, who will be uh, the two seed here in this uh, portion of the bracket against the three seed, Andre Ware. Uh, this is a this is a kind of a tough matchup. What are your thoughts initially here? This is a really tough one because I really like Andre Ware. His Heisman season at Houston yeah. in 1989 was so dominant um, that it actually willed him to be, the th- I think, I believe the third overall pick in the NFL draft in 19... 19- 90 1989 seventh overall in 1990 to the Lions. Yeah. Seventh overall night in 1990 to the Lions. Um, he was, you know, 40 touchdown passes and his final season, almost, you know, over 4,500 yards, um, at Houston in his senior season, Matt Leinert though, man, just sustained success. Yeah. Um, three seasons of it. So you, you take, know. you know, do you take the sustained success over the monster season that gave him the Heisman, Matt Leonard's got a Heisman too. As much as I love Andre Ware, and you know he was he was fun to watch. If you watch some of his old games, he's really fun to watch him. I'm sure, there's some on YouTube. I got to give it to Leonard. Got to give it to Leonard. Yeah, I'm good with Leonard on here as well. Again, Andre Ware that that final season in which he wins uh, the Heisman in 1989, 46 passing touchdowns and almost 4,700 passing yards that season. I mean, my goodness, what a year he put up. But uh, yeah, Leonard. I mean. Had a, so much talent around him at USC, obviously, but got it done. Three straight years was just old, uber consistent, put up big numbers, won at a high level. So, yeah, I like Leinert there uh, in that matchup. Mitch, up next here, then the 1-4 matchup in this side of the bracket, the number one seed, Trevor Lawrence, versus the number four seed, Ty Detmer. This is our small school legend here, the only one of this four seeds who actually won a Heisman. Uh, in fact, the year after Andre Ware, 1989 Heisman, how about the 1990 Heisman went to Ty Detmer out of BYU uh, and Detmer, when he left BYU, uh, left college football with the all time record in passing yards and more than that 15,000 uh, career passing yards for Ty Detmer. He'd later get passed by Timmy Chang, but held that record for over a decade. Uh, and nobody was close to him in that regard. He was by far and away the record holder there uh, in that in that Heisman season as well, obviously, at BYU. Uh, Ty Detmer was a great college quarterback. I'm glad we got to include him in, in here, and I appreciate you letting me put him in here because he's not going to beat Trevor Lawrence at all. But good to give Ty Detmer some love here. Yeah, I really want to pick Ty Detmer, but... I, I can't. He's play, he's matched up against Trevor Lawrence. I mean, I yeah. can't. I can't pick Ty Detmer. He um, could have upset somebody else. I feel like he had the potential, 
But Trevor T. Law is a tough could, one. Yeah, he could have upset an Andre Ware. He could have upset yeah. um, maybe a Roger Staubach. But, you know, yeah. I don't think he, he he doesn't upset Trevor Lawrence in any world ever. Right. Like, there's no universe where that happens. So, yeah, yeah Trevor Lawrence, definitely. For context, 1990 season for Brigham Young University, Ty Detmer threw for 5,188 yards. 41 touchdowns and 28 interceptions. That was an offense you could throw picks in because you were, you, he, you know, you were throwing the shit out of the ball. So go ahead and throw some picks. That's okay. We'll get some touchdowns out there. So yeah. Yeah. Love absolutely. That. Love that. All righty, Mitch. Next up here, the one, four matchup, this side of the bracket, we've got Danny Werfel versus the four seed case Keenum. Case Keenum, by the way, the all-time passing yards leader in college football history by over 2,000 yards, 19,000 total career passing yards for Case Keenum in his long career at Houston. But Danny Werfel's an incredible career uh, with Florida State. Or sorry, Florida, excuse me. Did him wrong there. Yeah, Florida State. Yeah, Get yeah, it right, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was Florida, not Florida State. Or Florida, Florida. Sorry. That's yeah. what I'm saying. I don't like I'm doing them dirty, but yeah. Danny Werfel, All-American, 1996 Heisman winner, uh, national champion. What do you think in here? Is there a chance for an upset in this four to one matchup we got? No. Danny Werfel was just so damn good. I damn. mean, look. You know, Case Keenum, he's he's got the records, he's got the numbers, but he played in Houston, right? Mm -hmm. They they just air the shit out of the ball, right? We talked about another quarterback, Andre Ware played in Houston as well. We talked about uh I considered a few different other uh Houston quarterbacks when we were mentioning like, you know, who maybe we should put on this list. Houston just they're they they throw the hell out of the ball, and that's why these quarterbacks have these big numbers, right? Um, we could look at Texas Tech. Um, who was the kid that played at Texas Tech that had the big numbers? Graham Harrell. Graham Harrell. You know, yeah. Yeah. We could look at those numbers and think, man, damn, this guy has just got big numbers. But look at the offense that they planted. Danny Werfel did the big numbers by playing in a in an offense where they were also running the football as well. I mean, he threw for over 35 touchdowns twice in his collegiate career. Uh 95 and 96, he was fantastic. Over 3,200 yards and 95, over 3,600 yards and 96. Um, that was also while having the running game as uh, uh, you know being a part of that. So I'm going to give it to Danny Werfel in this one. Yeah, we can go Danny Werfel here. Case Keenum obviously has got the all-time records, and that means something. Uh, he he just had a lot of volume, and that definitely helps. I mean, just keep this stat in mind. He did complete 70% of his passes this season in 2009, but he also threw the ball 700 times. Yeah, <laughs> 700 times that season for 5,600 yards. Yeah, you'll hit those numbers if you throw it that many times. Volume means something. Exactly. So, right. Yeah. So you got to take that into consideration here. And in that case, yeah, Werfel, that sounds good with me. The 2-3 matchup here, Mitch, this is going to be an interesting one. Joe Burrow, the two seed. Doug Flutie, the three seed. Uh, Burrow had the all-time one season in LSU, but had the greatest season we've ever seen from a college quarterback in that singular great season that he had obviously played in 2018, but not to, you know, much success. So really it's that 2019 season. We look at burrow. Meanwhile, Doug Flutie long, solid career at Boston college Heisman winner in 1984 uh, and an iconic moment to boot. Uh, it's kind of a tough one. 
kind of kind of a, a tricky one here. Where are you where do you where do you sit on this? I think it comes down to because Doug Flutie's numbers weren't stand out. Like they like 1984 was great, right? He had 27 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, almost 3,500 yards passing. It's a great season from Doug Flutie. Joe Burrow has like the all-time college football season as a quarterback, right? Yeah. Doug Flutie has like the all-time moment as a quarterback. Yep. So like, so where, like how much weight does the moment actually mm. take in this argument? It's the question. Joe Burrow has a moment though. That moment, the season he put together will be stamped in college football history forever. Yeah, but like no one's playing that over and over again, right? They're playing Doug Flutie's play over again, over again. Um, Fair enough. I think Doug Flutie's going to be remembered for that great moment. He's going to be remembered as a Heisman recipient. I think Joe Burrow is the greater quarterback, though. Yeah. I think when I talk myself through it, I think it's I got to give it to Joe. Joe Shiesty. I think Burrow is the choice, and I think this is a very close one in that you could be told by very how close. we deliberated on this. But this one stat stood out to me, and, and yes, different eras, nineteen, you know, early 1980s for Doug Flutie compared to when Joe Burrow played. But Joe Burrow threw for 60 touchdowns in 2019 that That's season. Stupid. That's 60 stupid. touchdowns that season. Doug Flutie threw for 67 touchdowns in his four-year career at Boston College. So, yeah, I mean, just seeing those numbers next to each other was jarring. I mean, a so, different era, too. Again, I mean, let's... different era, but still, in one season to do what Joe Burrow did, absolutely incredible. So, yes. yeah, we'll go Joe Burrow here in that matchup. In the final four here, uh, starting with, uh, what's going to be the two, three matchup, Chris Winkie, the two seed. This is the Florida state quarterback we're looking for. Yes. Uh, I always get Werfels and Winky confused on where they played. I'm going to be honest. Um, thought I was right on that, but I was definitely wrong. But Chris Winky, the Florida state legend verse Vince young, Texas legend, uh, absolute destroyer of Dallin's hopes and dreams as a young kid watching that Rose Bowl national championship game. Uh, Vince Young is so good. Uh, I love Vince Young. Uh, and I'm glad we got to involve him on this because, yeah, he won a national championship. He doesn't have a Heisman. In fact, he's the only player on here besides uh, besides the players on the four seeds, the small school guys, that doesn't have a Heisman. Everybody else in these higher seeds has a Heisman other than Vince Young, but he has one of the greatest wins of all time against uh, USC in that Rose Bowl. An iconic moment, iconic performances, more deserving of a I don't know, Heisman. Could have won it. I mean, he's competing against Bush and Leonard and all that. Um, but Chris Winkie had an incredible uh, long career, three solid seasons, culminating in that 2000 senior season where he lit it up for Florida State. Uh, and wins the Heisman. I'm kind of leaning winky here. Maybe it's my USC fandom as a kid coming out saying I can't pick Vince Young. I don't know how you feel on this, but I'm kind of leaning Chris Winky. I think this is the toughest matchup that we have in this first round. Yeah. Because Vince Young, man, like when they play like iconic college football moments, Vince Young running into the end zone. To mm-hmm. take that to score yeah. that go ahead touchdown in that 04 championship game. Ugh, that's me. that is <laughs> or no, sorry, it'll be 05. 05, 05. Yeah. That would be that that's one of the all-time yep. moments. 
he has that all-time moment, just like we talked about with Doug Flutie. But, you know, Chris Winky, man, he, he had sustained success. Three years of sustained success. Yeah. Vince Young was more dominant in a shorter period of time, but Chris Winky, maybe the slight edge over Vince Young. Yeah. I think the slight edge. Yeah, they're both national champions. Chris Winkie, 1999 national championship with uh, Florida State. And obviously, he was Vince Young, as we talked about. But I think we have to go Vince Young. I'm sorry, I have yeah, to go Chris to... Winkie here. Chris Winkie. Oh, yeah, Chris, yeah, Chris, Chris Winkie. Winkie. Yeah. Uh, I love Vince Young, and he was great and iconic and all that. And I'm glad we got to involve him and include this. He certainly could have been swapped out for other guys. Uh, you know, you could have made a case. But I'm glad we got to include him in here. Can't get, get past the uh, Seminole legend here. And the final matchup, Mitch, the 1-4 matchup here, Cam Newton, the Auburn Tiger, uh, versus Steve McNair of Alcorn State. And I'm I'm so glad Steve McNair gets to be included into this exercise. Uh, that year at Alcorn State in 1994 put him on the map in a way we've never seen from a player at his level. Finished right. third in the Heisman voting at Alcorn State in 1994 and ended up being the third overall pick in the 1995 uh, draft uh, to the uh, to the Oilers. So uh, Steve McNair put out an incredible season, left the FCS ranks uh, as, with records uh, to boot on the way to his great NFL career and more than deserving of being on this list. It's hard to beat Cam Newton, though. It's really hard to beat Cam here. I, I want to give you the chance to talk about uh, Steve McNair, though. I mean, I'm actually trying to look up Steve McNair's stats right now. I can't find it on on Sports Reference. Oh yeah, it doesn't football. even exist on it doesn't on even exist football Sports Reference. That's how like yeah, that's how obscure <laughs> this 90s. one is. Nobody was tracking stats in the '90s, let alone like stats for Alcorn State. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I found him for Danny Werfel. I found him for Chris Winky. I couldn't find it for Steve McNair. Found him for Andre Ware. Couldn't find it for Steve McNair. Alcorn State, little old Alcorn State gets a yeah. shout out here. And you know what? Steve McNair, he was one of those quarterbacks that we grew up with being one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL, right? Um, for his, you know, his, it, obviously his, his arm, but his mobility. Um, I'm sorry. It's objectively Cam Newton here. It's, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. it's objectively Cam Newton. I mean, Steve McNair yeah. was fantastic, but, you know, Cam Newton, what he was able to do with what little he had around him at Auburn. Have incredible Newton yeah yeah I, I have and that hurts me as an Alabama saying to say it because yeah. Sam Newton shouldn't be getting the nod that he does because you know I, I'm an Alabama fan I hate Scam right. Newton but yeah yeah it's nod. uh yeah you know uh just I pulled up stuff on McNair just so we could kind of wrap this up uh Alcorn State obviously an HBCU historically black university uh competed at the time in the division one AA which is now known as the FCS levels uh right. in 1994 his senior season McNair gained 6,281 combined yards rushing and passing along with 56 touchdowns. His total offense averages were 571 yards a game for 11 games that season. Incredible. Shit. Finished third in the Heisman voting behind Rashawn Salam and Kajana Carter. So uh, there you go. Yeah, Steve McNair deserves the shout out here, but we're going Cam Newton for the pick. That, yeah. Absolutely. All righty, Mitch. Eight remain. Let's let's get to it. Tim Tebow, Roger Staubach, the one and the two seeds here. Staubach, again, we talked about him, the history at Navy, winning the Heisman as a quarterback in the 60s. 
Tebow and what he was able to do is over over his whole career feels hard to pass on him at this spot. It does. It really does. I think we're going to have to go Tebow here pretty easily. Yeah, easily. We'll go Tebow and shout out to Roger Staubach getting passed into the second round. You know, you love to see it. Love to see it. Love to see it. Next up here, Mitch, uh, this is another one, two matchup here. Number one seed, Trevor Lawrence, number two seed, Matt Liner. Now there was a time when we were doing this exercise in my original thoughts that Liner was a one seed. He's got a great resume uh, and certainly he's got a case here, but so does Trevor Lawrence. So we talked a lot about Liner. We didn't talk about a lot about Lawrence when he came up before. What do you think of this matchup? <laughs> um, sorry, I'm laughing at what my girlfriend sent me on my text. Um, sorry, it's uh, it's Trevor Lawrence to me. It's Trevor Lawrence to me. I think um, Matt Leonard had the sustained success, and you know, there's just. I don't know if Matt, you know, Matt Leonard didn't have the success as a freshman that Trevor Lawrence did. Yeah. And there was some sustained success, sustained success. Um, Lawrence also didn't have what Matt Leinart had around him at, um, at USC. He had, those are some Reggie all-time Bush. teams. At yeah. USC. Reggie Bush. Yeah. I think he had one of the, what was it? Mike Williams or Steve Smith. He had mm-hmm. Lendale white. That um, dynamic duo domin- running back. Yeah. The dominant defense with led by Lofa Tatupu. Um, I mean, just, just, you know, there was so much around Matt Leinart to help him get those accolades. I think Trevor Lawrence did more with less. I got to give it to Lawrence. Yeah. That freshman season by Trevor Lawrence was one of the greatest seasons we've ever seen in college football history. Uh, and he went on to have a fantastic career and be the number one overall pick. So it got better after that. So yeah, I love T law there. Next up, Mitch one versus two. Again, Danny Werfel, the one seed Joe Burrow, the two seed. Mitch, this is where I stand. And I proclaim that I think we need the upset here. I love Danny Werfel. He had a fantastic career at Florida. I know that now because we checked it up and I got confused. He had a fantastic career at the University of Florida. But he was carried by some great teams. And, you know, a lot of talent around him, as we've talked about some of these other guys. We've never seen an individual season like we saw in 2019 from Mr. Joe Burrow, Joe Shiesty, the Tiger King, Joe Exotic. I feel like it has to be Burrow. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, Dallin. I don't know. Um, it's it's the hard conversation of the long, successful career versus the short. Uh, you if know, we were dying, talking, I explosive think, I think me, season, you know. And I think if we were talking about the greatest single season performances of all time, absolutely, Joe no Bur- Joe Burrow, no doubt. Danny Werfel had like three consecutive good seasons for the Gators. Joe Burrow had one. He was a transfer student when he came over to LSU. Um, I have to disagree. I have to go with Danny Werfel. And hey. I don't know what the tiebreaker is. Uh, do you have a, you coin? know, I think, I, mean, I, I think it's okay. I think okay. we can go with Werfel. Okay. I think we can go with Werfel because at the end of the day, yeah, this is a guy that had a lot of six. I, I love Burrow. It's just, you just wish he would have had a second. If 2018 yeah, was like really good and then he put up the 60, you'd feel a little better. But the one year, it's hard to be considered one of the greatest college quarterbacks of all time when you only did it once, not repeated. I mean, that's why so he I think left at Andre this stage, wear out at the same yeah, time. You know, I think so. at this stage, I think it's fair to use that against him. 
and we'll go we'll go Danny Werfel here. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. All right, Mitch. Final <laughs> final matchup here in the uh, second round. Cam Newton, the one seed. Chris Winky, the two seed. We talked about Winky at Florida State. Great career. Lots of winning. Uh, Cam is you know similar to Burrow. Had one incredible season right but that one season was one of the greatest best seasons we've ever had we've ever seen uh as a runner as a passer i mean 1400 rushing yards and 20 touchdowns <laughs> like 2800 passing yards and 30 touchdowns through the air um does the same argument against joe burrow in favor of danny werfel feel right here for winky over newton because technically that's the argument we made but I don't feel the same way. I feel like this should be Cam. I do feel like this should be Cam, and I'll tell you why. Joe Burrow had a lot at his disposal. Mm. Justin Cam Jefferson, Newton, and you mentioned this statistic Jamar before. <laughs> you mentioned this statistic before the show started. Cam Newton didn't have anyone around him that even sniffed the NFL. Yeah, and he did exact, and he did what he did. Yeah. Um, Joe Burrow had elite NFL talent around him at LSU. Um, and then did what he did. So as much as I like Chris Winkie, and I think that he's just one of the great all-time college quarterbacks, I have to give this to Cam Newton almost in a landslide. I agree. Listen, both Panthers legends, don't get me wrong, keep pounding. (laughs) We love Chris Winkie out here, but we will go with uh, Cam on that one. He was not expansion draft, but he was their first quarterback out of college. They drafted, right? Yeah, I think so. I think, yeah. I think so. They did select him. I think it was the first one they selected themselves. So yeah, yeah. he's got a special place. Panthers. <laughs> all right. Four left Mitch and uh, kind of no surprise here. It's all of the one seeds. I was, I thought we might get an upset through this point, but sure enough, the four, the four one seeds are left and it starts with this matchup here of Tim Tebow and Trevor Lawrence. Holy smokes. I mean, uh, where do we start here? How do we even do this? We can both admit we don't want it to be Tim Tebow. No. But is it is it Team Tebow over Trevor Lawrence? When you look at greatness? Yeah. I mean, you know, when you look at accolades, when you look yeah. at success at yeah. the college football level, Tim Tebow has more of that than Trevor Lawrence. He has more greatness than him. And it's hard. I, 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 but he sucks at baseball. Listen, I, I'm just kidding. Yeah, he does suck (laughs) at baseball. We all know that, but here's here. I think this is the determining factor for me, Mitch. Uh, I made an error. I made an oopsie. I incorrectly stated and placed on here that Trevor Lawrence won a Heisman. He did not win the Heisman in his college career. He was seventh in 2019. He was second in 2020. Trevor Lawrence uh, did not win a Heisman. Who did he lose that to? So. Are we having a Mandela effect? I I feel like he won a Heisman. Kyler Murray won it in 2018. Joe Burrow won it in 2019. Devontae Smith won it in 2020. Oh, my God. That was was the one. Yeah, Devontae Smith won it in 2020. So, considering... He did not win a Heisman. And considering Tim Tebow arguably could have won back-to-back Heismans in 2007-2008, I unfortunately have to agree with you. I think it's Tim Tebow. It is Tebow. T-Law had one of the greatest freshman seasons of all time and a fantastic career to follow it. National champion, but that one's going to go to Tebow. 
And that leaves us, Mitch, this final matchup here to determine who's going to face <laughs> off against John 316 in the final. We've got Danny Werfel and Cam Newton. Two Florida quarterback. We have, how did we, we ended up Two with four. three Florida quarterbacks at the end here? We've got Tim Tebow waiting to face off against Werfel and Newton. Is are the Gators QBU? What like what? They are a QB, they're they're a QB factory. I know that. Wow. Um, well, let's be honest. Newton backed up Tebow, right? Then he yeah. got in yeah. trouble. He went to JC. Right. And then he came back and went to Auburn. So he is a Florida quarterback, technically. So yeah, that is true. Um, yeah, I hey again, we we didn't pick Burrow over Werfel because of the one year. So can we pick Newton over Werfel for the one year? Can we do it with that in mind? I can't. I don't think we can. I have to go Werfel. Damn it. Sorry, Cam. Yeah, I'm sorry. I, I, I can't. One I can't. season is not enough to be considered the greatest quarterback of all time. One season is not enough. I think that's the Are we really? Okay. We've come so to this, though. Let's that's, just get you know, to this matchup. Yeah. Are we really going to? Are we really? No. Oh. I mean... I mean, it kind of has to be, right? Not where I was going to go. You were going to pick Danny Werfel? I was going to pick Danny Werfel over Tim oh Tebow. Oh, my God. Now Mitch and I have to debate Tim Tebow versus Danny Werfel for the greatest quarterback of all time. This sucks. Whose idea was this? Mine. Sorry. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It was... <laughs> that was both of ours. So we, we, we both were thinking it. But, but okay. The... Mitch, I don't even do you, think do you really want to pick Tebow? Danny, I don't even think people remember Danny Werfel was a quarterback. Tim Tebow was like in a Nick Tim Tebow was not only a great college quarterback with a lot of success, national title, Heisman, but he was also bigger than that in a way that almost yeah, nobody else on this list can say. And take that as you will, but I think that means something. I think that that the the Tebow mania, I think that means something, and it, I think it's corny, and I hate it, and I'm not agreeing with it. I don't like it at all. I don't like Tim Tebow. I don't want to pick Tim Tebow. Pick him. I just I don't cannot, want to pick him. <laughs> I cannot in good no, conscience. I just want to end him. this list on Danny Werfel. I can't do it, Mitch. We have to restart if we get there. I can't. Mm. I'm. I think we have to go Tebow. I don't want to do it. I know. I don't want to sorry, it. my friend. It's happening. Uh, I know there you're right too. I you know what? And I know I'm gonna vote for you, and I know you're right. That pisses me off though that Tim Tebow won this fucking tournament. It pisses yeah. me off. And it's so funny because we really did. I I the guy gets everything. Mitch. The guy wins everything. Come on. I said uh. this to Mitch off I literally said before we started, I said off the record. I don't really want Tim Tebow to win this. And he and I agreed on that. We did not want Tebow to win this because we're not fans of Tim Tebow. But uh, that's how you know this is correct. Because against our better judgment and against our hearts, we chose Tim Tebow because he's the right pick. Uh, I think he's probably the greatest college quarterback of all time. I mean, the fact that it came down to Danny Werfel yeah. and Tim Tebow, I mean... Gross. I mean, if, if there was one guy that got eliminated early that you were thinking was going to go farther, who was it? Um, You know, maybe Baker. Yeah, I think Baker had a strong case. You know, there was interesting. The ESPN, I think Bill Connolly of ESPN put an article out a couple months ago 
that he was ranking the top 75 quarterbacks in college football since the year 2000. And Baker Mayfield was number one on that list over Tebow, over Newton and over Lawrence and the others. So, uh, which obviously I wasn't as high on Baker as, as Bill Connolly was, but right. You know, he got ousted in the first round. I certainly could have seen that maybe Joe Burrow, maybe Joe Burrow lasting longer, but that was a tough one with Warfel. You know, he got the good matchups there with Burrow Newton back to back and he had a strong case to make. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's hard to weigh out like the sustained success and like the one or two year booms where these guys are just fantastic. But it's like, man, this guy was great for three or four years, but damn, this guy had one or two years of really, really excellence. So, you know, it's, it's just hard to, it's hard to compare those two, but like, I, I I really would have wished Joe Burrow would have been would have gone further in this tournament too, but yeah, that was one of those ones that felt like a guy that you would want to go further, but that's how the exercise goes. Greatest college quarterbacks of all time. And of the 16 names that we put together, Tim Tebow, the winner uh, of the sports hour bracket today, greatest college quarterback of all time. So, and for the record, we've done two of these brackets and we both feel very good about how those turned out at the end of the day. So we'll probably feel better about this in hindsight, but it doesn't feel great right now. No, it doesn't feel good at all. I think in hindsight, I think in hindsight, we'll like to say hindsight's 2020. I think we're going to look back and go, well, that, that might've been the right one. Might've been the right one. Yeah, I think so. so. All righty. That's going to do it for the podcast this week. It's been a jam packed show again. uh, Our last little summer episode of fun before we get into the meat and potatoes of preview season, NFL training camps getting underway here. Fall camp for college football. will be getting underway here by the time you hear us again. Uh, it will be August 10th. We'll be doing that episode on a Thursday. So mark that in your calendars. Now, August 10th, we'll be starting off our uh, season previews with fantasy football. Uh, so a good old fantasy football preview coming up on August 10th. Right. So you want to look forward to that uh, in a couple of weeks. And then from then on, as Mitch mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, weekly episodes for you guys. So you can uh, schedule us in on every Wednesday night. We'll be live here on the YouTube and the Twitter and also on your podcast feed the following day. So uh, you can uh, stay tuned with all of our content. So great podcast today, my friend uh, remind the people where they can find us around the interweb. Yeah. Anywhere, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different places you can find us around the interweb. You can find us on Instagram at the sports hour guys. You can find us on Twitter at the sports hour or at sports hour guys. You can find us on, um, I guess that's it. I guess that's TikTok. it for the, for the social or oh, TikTok at the sports hour guys um, and YouTube and YouTube at the sport at YouTube slash the sports hour got youtube.com slash the sports hour guys. Um, this you're throwing me a loop. You're throwing me for a loop with the socials here, Dallin. I never do I the socials. Um, <laughs> I always just do the podcast where you can find but the there podcast. There is no podcast though. That's the thing. That's not even correct anymore. I know, but you know what? Go on Apple Podcasts. Go on Spotify. Go on Stitcher. Here, can, I, I've edited the banner for you. This is it. Listen to the podcast. Yes, just just do and it. And you can it, just search that. Search the Sports Hour with Mitch Mo and Dallin on Apple yeah. Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, you will find us there. Um, don't pay attention to the anchor thing anymore. We don't, we still don't know how to do that. So we're going to figure that one out, but uh, get on Apple podcasts, leave us a rating and review. Tell us that we suck because down, that is the only way that we can get better. It is the only way that we can get better. And I want to shout out the, the, 
I didn't take the guy's name on a uh, TikTok that said that we suck on here. And oh. I was like, I forget that we, uh, there's a guy. On oh TikTok yeah. I think that, he said something like, this is the worst I've ever seen. Like worst account. Yeah. That's great. Thank Thanks. you. Thank yeah. you. Keep that energy up. We want to yeah. hear it because we can get better. Thank you. Thank you for that random internet. I know man. that wasn't your intentions, but we appreciate it. We appreciate it. Yeah. Uh, Mitch, this has been a blast. Great content today. Great podcast. We hope you guys enjoyed it and we appreciate you sticking around and hanging out with us as always. So uh, we'll go ahead, wrap it up here and uh, take our last little summer break and we'll be back with some fun on the other side. So until next time, we love you. We appreciate you and we'll catch you next week. So long, everybody. And a very pleasant good evening to you, wherever you may be. See ya!